Madam Secretary, honorable delegates, ladies and gentlemen, for many years now, I've lived among you as a, a visitor. I've seen the beauty of your many cultures. I felt great joy in your magnificent accomplishments. I've also seen the folly of your wars. As of today, I'm not a visitor anymore because the earth is my home too. We can't live in fear. I can't stand idly by and watch us stumble into the madness of possible nuclear destruction. And so I've come to a decision. I'm going to do what our governments have been unwilling or unable to do. Effective immediately, I'm going to rid our planet of all nuclear weapons. Me to talk? Hello and welcome to episode 65 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm your host Becca and as always I'm joined by Chris and Dave. How are you doing? Good evening folks. I'm good, thank you. This time, we are coming to the end of the Christopher Reeve era of Superman. It's time to discuss the amazing, epic film that is Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Epic, epic amazing. Epic at 89 minutes. <laughs> epic and amazing, did I watch the right film? because <laughs> I was a little bit like worried when watching this thinking like is this like some sort of like cheap uh, like knockoff like DVD Superman film that I've watched by mistake like, <laughs> I'll tell you what I do wonder if this would be I don't know if they'd cut their losses and stick it on the sci-fi channel now if there was something like this now probably it would be on that kind of on that area I think it, it, Who's it, in this masterpiece? It borders a level of Sharknado. That's kind of where level it's at. Okay. Although Sharknado's kind of... Funny. I mean, I, well, I mean, I'm not sure I like that kind of concept of being deliberately shit that, so it's good. I mean, I just think that joke wore itself thin years ago. Sharknado's gone fi- to the realm this of This film's now, really fucking earnest. <laughs> <laughs> this film means it. Anyway, so yeah, Superman 4. Starring Christopher Reeve, Gene Hackman, Margot Kidder, Mario Hemingway, Mark Pillow, John Cryer, aka Ducky from Pretty and Pink, William Hutkins, and Jim Broadbent. With music. Mark Pillow, aka Fuck All. <laughs> <laughs> First and last on screen appearance. Well, in films. As, yeah. as not yeah, Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, in of movies, for sure. Fun fact, folks. Anyway, with the score um, adapted by Alexander Courage of Star Trek fame. Um, the script by Lawrence Connor and Mark Rosenthal, directed by Sidney J. Fury, on a mild dip of quality, and released in 1987. So, what do we reckon to this masterpiece? Mm. I use the term loosely. <laughs> uh, in the most juvenile way possible. It's, it's a bit of a sad state of affairs, really, isn't it? Uh, this quest for peace. This um, is shit. Why did no one tell me? <laughs> I, it, 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 it. You know, no one wants to go out on particularly bad grounds, but Christopher Reeve, God bless him, he, he went out pretty much on the biggest piece of shit he's ever probably produced This ever. was basically like his, his baby, wasn't it? Because I think he kind of made it on the proviso that one of his early films would, would be financed. Um, and he had a hand in writing the script and developing the story. Um, and it 
was a total flop and it nearly ruined his career. Yeah. It's just really sad because, like, if this was his baby, just watching his performance there, it's like he knows he's in a piece of shit. And he's like, he's almost like, <sighs> a, guy, a guy has just been completely deflated. It's, you know, and thinking, like, this is like our best Superman we've had yet. And, you know, nothing against, you know, uh, Brandon Ralph or uh, Henry Cavill. Uh, not but they're both up. shit. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm not, I'm well, not, I'm not including Dean Cain because obviously he, he, he was the best. Superman. He was amazing. Oh he, God, he, he, but that, that's a TV show, so we can't count that. Uh, but generally, this film was let down by its plot, uh, not by its wealth, yeah, its plot is shite. But um, it's, it's the budget. It's, it, you know, you, from the moment it starts, well, we'll you know, when we talk about this film sequentially, um, it's just really, really cheap and really, really tacky. Uh, it's just kind of really sad. It's just a really, really sad deflated film, which is really, which is kind of strange because this is one of my, um, well, for what I can remember, my first cinematic experience going to see this film. And I remember, look at you. and I remember, Mine yeah, was Super Superman too. I think you drew the short straw, really. <laughs> well, you know, well, at the time when you're kids, it's like you know, you you just you, you enjoyed it. You know, you'll you'll enjoy pretty much yeah. anything. You just see Superman. But I remember like looking back at the uh, projector and looking at the the light shining on the screen and thinking how it worked with all the, the moving images and stuff. So there was a sense of like uh, wonder to my childhood uh, thinking about this film. But watching it today. Yeah. What, the Wait, scales have up. fallen from your eyes. <laughs> it does not fold up at all. No. I mean, if I, I mean, we, we've always got some kind of critical faculties in that you watch things when you're four and decide you don't like them. But you know, in terms of starting to develop that that sort of sense of standards with what you're watching, I think it was just about starting because I went to see this at the cinema at the age of ten and didn't like it. Um, and I was super. You're a lot more mature than me because I, lo- I I liked it at the time, but then I was yeah. Five. But I was I'm older. Than, I was older than you, Chris. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Had I gone and seen this at five, maybe I would have had a different view. Um, particularly if it had been first cinematic experience, because there is a sense of wonder being in a huge dark room with the size of the screen and the sound, which is nothing on the level of what we get now, but it still would have been more impressive than obviously at home. Um. I didn't like it. I, I do remember, and I'll get to a, I'll get to the first scene where I thought, oh, this isn't very good, and it, it wasn't some of the effects stuff. Uh, although I imagine I would have noticed that at the time, but yeah, there was a couple of things we'll get to um, later on. But really, I think bef- I think my first thought is is pretty obvious. I think this this film is terrible. It's I really did wonder how hard to go on this because it, it's tempting to try to be fair to it because. It's so hamstrung, but actually no, because they did choose to slash that budget. I know they were in a bit of difficulty, but there were reasons for for them slashing the budget. And frankly, if you'd thrown more money at it, it might have been more competent, but it still would have been terrible. There are inherently things awfully wrong with this that money wouldn't fix. Um, But how we got here is, is kind of interesting, and it's kind of indirectly due to Supergirl, in that um, Supergirl was the f- uh, film released a year after Superman 3. Superman 3 had been deemed something of a disappointment by the Sulkins, taking less than $100 million worldwide, so they decided to go with Supergirl. Now, Alexander Salkind wanted to um, 
go with Brooke Shields. Uh, Ilya consi- uh, told him to go with Helen Slater or, or convinced him to go with Helen Slater. No relation to Christian. State, no relation <laughs> to Christian or not Helen Slater. Um, <laughs> she was spotted in Venice in 1979. Um so to this day, Ilya says he made a mistake. He said, for once I should have listened to my father. Helen Slater didn't have the star quality, etc. But the film's crap. I mean, the film is terrible. Um, but the other thing that happened with it is uh, Warners were insisting on a summer 84 release for it. They wanted to put it out at Christmas to get it away from the summer of 84. The summer of Temple of Doom, Ghostbusters, mini version of 89. Lots of competition that year. Uh, they basically poisoned the well, the relationship, and ended up going off to TriStar with it. Very relatively new company at the time. And to cut a long story short, it bombed. Uh, its its budget was something around the thirty-five million mark, which would have been similar to Superman three once you take out sort of Christopher Reeves' budget. Test screenings uh, led to a lot of it being cut, so bits of it don't make any sense. <laughs> Repeating theme with what we're going to talk about tonight. And it took less. It took just over fourteen million off a thirty-five million budget. So you're left with the Sulkins thinking, well, there's the interest is going here. Superman three didn't do as well as we wanted. These films are quite expensive to to make, and this has bombed. So they were at the Cannes Film Festival the following year, and they sold it to Golan and Globus Cannon Films. And the great thing about it, from uh, as a piece of business, is they paid four million for the rights. In circa 73, 74, I say that because they bought them for 25 years and they didn't revert to Warners till about 98, although Warners were preparing ahead of 98. More on that next week. But they bought them for four million and sold them to Golan and Globus for five. So they, they bought a property, made great use of it for 12 years, made two very very successful films one fairly successful and one bomb and then sold them on at a profit so we're left with golan and globus who were just ludicrously um over ambitious they had a slate of 40 odd films uh in a year which is just ludicrous they and and that's the reason the budget to this ended up getting cut they approached christopher reeve christopher reeve really half the reason he didn't appear in superman was he'd already reached the point where he was sick of the character but they allowed him to have a say in story christopher reeve was a very um activist persona very very against nuclear weapons i do remember after this film he said superman 5 was going to have some you know very environmental themes so he wanted to bring that to the story tried to get Tom Mankiewicz involved. Mankiewicz wanted nothing to do with something, doing a, a topic of that type. He said Superman should stay away from it. Gene Hackman was happy to come back. And um, Christopher Reeve said yes on the basis of, yes, he would get involved with the script, and he, uh, hence the nuclear arm story we sort of get tonight. Uh, the other thing was that they would uh, fund a film of his choice. That film was a, a film called Street Smart, which is probably best, well, if it's if it's known at all, it's better known for, for a fairly early Morgan Freeman performance. Canon put nothing into promoting it, and it died at the box office. So oh. how much greed got out of this, I don't know. Anyway, we come to this film, a uh, budget of 38 or $40 million, depending on where you look and who you talk to. 
very close to shooting, the budget was cut to 17 million. The reason being, they were failing. They 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 were paying silly money for things like over the top, a, a film about arm wrestling, and they give uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone a world record salary for it. Um, <laughs> so the cut to 17 million was a degree of spreading the risk. Let's put some money amongst our other pro- products, and I just think that's that. That strikes me, a non-businessman, I must stress, as incredibly poor business because when you think there's 40-odd films on the slate, how much difference are you going to be making to these range of properties? So this comes in at 17 million. Masters of the Universe, the same year, was 22, which is just odd. How how Masters of the Universe, perhaps they they just figured it was a dying franchise. I don't know. The other thing... But the point I'm making is the same studio put five million more into an unproven new property than the fourth instalment in a series that's been very... Yeah, it doesn't uh, quite make sense. And they paid five million for the rights to as well. As I say, the budget does have an effect on the final film. We'll talk about this uh, script as we go through it. Just the last sort of thing on the making of it... Um, that isn't literally script-related, because, again, we'll go through it with specific scenes. Uh, John Cryer, who plays Lenny, uh, nephew of Lex Luthor in this film, reports Christopher Reeve saying um, on the set to him something along the lines of, just get through it, because it's going to be terrible. So if, if you spot Christopher Reeve looking less than delighted with all of this, he was in two minds about coming back anyway, and then he's actually worked with Dick Donner in previous films. He's worked with proper harnesses, proper equipment, proper everything. And he turns up on the set of this and everything is on the cheap. Uh, and as I say, the specific scenes. Chris, what do you know about Canon films? I, I know none of us are particularly experts, but I haven't even seen that documentary on them. To me, Canon, uh, I mean, I don't think you're, you're, you're wrong on what, anything on what you say. Uh, I mean, I, I enjoy... Uh, certain canon films, uh, I think it's fair to say. Uh, they're very kind of like cheap cheap and cheerful. Um, well, they did do one or two prestige pictures because. Um, Runaway Train. Runaway well, Train, I'm, that was, well, that was Well, a I was thinking of A Cry in the Dark. Uh, Meryl Streep was Oscar nominated for that. Although yeah. Meryl Streep's Oscar nominated when she gets out of bed, to be fair. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think that, that, was, that, that was probably back in the day where she had a. Shouldn't have everyone licking her arsehole. Um, so, <laughs> um, I, the, thing, the thing about Canon films, I can't knock them for their ambition. Like, God loves to try it, and they just fucking went for it. Uh, they, they, tried, they tried to be like a big name on their own um, grounds, and they, they, they did try to do quality work while uh, giving uh, uh, or, like crowd pleasers. Um, but I, I just think the ambition just got too, too much, you know, too, I think... They took on too much of what they could handle, and I think it, you know, they didn't have any uh, realistic self-awareness uh, setting. They just, I think, just like got themselves in a hole and kept on digging, you know, hoping to like dig them, dig themselves out, you know. Uh, it was like, oh, we're, oh, we're, we're struggling with money. I know, we'll buy more films, and we'll make more, you know. Um, so, you know, I, I, I kind of admire them in some respects, but I, I think it is. I mean. The uh, the documentary on them, I believe there's, there's, there was going to be another one. I'm not sure. Um, another Superman film? No, uh, a documentary about uh, the Canon films. Uh, right. uh, uh, it, this the one that was out was was done with 
their approval or or, or, didn't, or didn't oh have I see there was going to be more of an unofficial yeah, yeah there, like, there, there was going to be another one from their side and I'll take that what you will that would be probably a lot more favourable on them um, but uh, oh sorry you're saying the one that came out was without their approval Yes, yes. Uh, if I, ah, if I, so it's probably if I, a bit more. Yeah, okay. If I remember correctly, but even even so, that you know, I don't think it's very detailed in uh, as well as it could have been. It just kind of a few talking heads going through like the general history of it. But it is worth watching if you are interested because you, you just go through all the the mad releases as well as like some of the the good films that came out. I mean, I, I mean, I, they're I, all over the place in topic, aren't they? Yeah, you can't pin it down as. I mean, you look at certain studios, certainly back in the old studio days as well, certain studios made their name on musicals, certain were universal with horror and so on. And that still persists to some degree these days in that certain studios tend to favour certain types of films. Canon were absolutely all over the shop. I mean, the the main, I suppose the main well-known uh, was uh, action movies because I think they kind of knew where they were. They had, like, used Chuck Norris a lot and they, they, they kind of made, like, a steady... Uh, profit because I think kind of suited their kind of like relatively low budget mid range kind of kind of thing and that that, that made its money back to its extent. Um, but I think they just went a bit crazy with the ideas. I mean, when you got like um, Ninja Ninja Ex sequels and shit like that, you know, it's it gets a bit out there. But then again, part of you thinks, well, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad they exist because I'll kind of like that sort of madness. Uh, but you have like even Indiana Jones knockoff like um, uh, uh, King Solomon's Mines. I was just about to say, as soon as you said knockoff, the first thing I pictured was uh, Richard Chamberlain yes. dressed exactly like him, and thought, I wonder if it's King Solomon's <laughs> yeah. Mines. Not yeah. Indiana Jones. But they were they were they were, ch- they were sort of chasing sort of thing. But they did like uh, the Revolver Rambo two as well, um, and I like never knew that. And, and Cobra, um, which previously was uh, Stallone when he was going to do Beverly Hills Cop. Um, so that's a little fun fact there. Um, fun yeah, that's fun. Uh, so yeah, they, they weren't without merit, the, but uh, they were destined to fail. Uh, they were of its time, but you know, I think they hold very much sentimental value for some, including myself. Uh, I just don't think film. we. I just don't think we accept this sort of thing on the big screen anymore. Plenty no. of shit films get made. Yeah, yeah. But incompetence is normally a sign of time more than budget i would say even for them and um, and you know correct me if I'm wrong you know canon uh aficionados if you know if you, you've probably seen more canon films than i have um but yeah by the time you get to the opening credits and it's just like fucking hell you literally have no money do you <laughs> like, yeah, yeah well, it's I like think, yeah i mean you watch now i mean when i think of like high profile films in the last few years two of the last three x-men films i thought had pretty poor effects yeah, but I'm I'm pretty sure, and I might be wrong, that that that's a function more of time than money. They set themselves aggressive release schedule. Certainly, yeah. first class was pulled together in about eleven months uh, from being announced. I mean, obviously, it must have been written at that point, but even so, I think the the days of of franchises we know suddenly putting out something of this standard, and I don't just mean the quality of the film; I mean its technical standard. Mm just seem to have passed we don't seem to get this welter of shit anymore even crap films like transformers are, are, are well made in their way or superman versus batman but not you know but yeah it was it was yeah but from an effects and technical perspective you, you can see the money on the screen you can go like yes, okay well yeah, yeah. they no, spent money I, 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 no. expensive no I, I totally understand um 
it's shit, but it looked expensive. Yeah, is it just looks oh. Superman four? I I just feel really bad for it. Basically, um, you pity it. <laughs> I I do. Unfortunately, I do just purely because of the technical and budgetary um, and editing. You know, do you think a budget would have on. saved this film, Becca? Yeah, yeah, they had more money. I think they would have been able to do it a lot more. It still would have been probably perhaps narratively a bit crap, but they might have been able to save it with kind of better effects. Uh, yeah, um, being I, able to tell more of the story, not having to cut so much out of it so that it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Make what it makes it worse for me, what makes it much worse for me is the fact that see, Christopher Reeve's only about 35 when this film comes out, so he's far from old. But he looks older in the face. He's also not... I heard knocks on him at the time that he was fat. Well, I don't see that at all. I don't know. I don't see that either in this film. I actually thought quite the opposite. I thought he was too slender. I thought he'd clearly not put in the gym hours this time. Now... That's why you see him doing aerobics in the film. That might be. He's just <laughs> like, oh, shit, it can be a cheap. Go on, quick, film it. Hey, Clarky. <laughs> um, Clarky. I hate that fucking scene. Um, no pain, no gain. Exactly, but I'll get to it. It's just like, oh, I know it's a film, but like, anyway. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> That's my favourite moment of the podcast. He's, he's lost, so he's, he's thin. He's Because Christopher Reeve suffered with alopecia on and off, so occasionally he'd have a full head of hair and then he'd lose it. There are, You will see times when he was in the wheelchair where he'd be bald and then he would have hair again. And I don't think it was always a toupee. I think it would grow back periodically. But he needed a toupee in this. I didn't know but that. Then, He's taken but then it, it comes out, his, your hair voice. falls out with stress, apparently. You know, who wouldn't be stressed making this shit? No, it doesn't look um, stressful. So he's wearing a wig, he looks older, and he doesn't look as physically impressive as he did before. Now, all of those may conspire to make him look almost older than he is, because he's only 35 in the role. But when you've got what looks all of a sudden like a slightly past it actor giving not a very good performance in a film that looks like this, it's just all the sadder. It contributes to it to the overall kind of tired look of it, doesn't it? I, mean, I must say, watching the first Superman, I mean, he's not kind of like Charles Atlas kind of ripped, but, you know, he's obviously quite you know, defined. Um, but then here, I must say, he's not like skinny by any stretch of the imagination. But put him next to somebody like Mark Pillow, who is not Dolph Lundgren. Mm. Um I think, yeah, he's going to kind of look sort of a paler version of a super being, as it were. But yeah, I'd, I wouldn't say he's, you know, he's not, to be spit again, he's not kind of like stick either. But yeah, he just contributes to the overall kind of tired look of, of this film, unfortunately. Yeah, so I mean, that that's the story of how we got there. I think we've all said uh, at a headline level, it's, it is a disaster. Shall we get down into the details, folks? Well, it's, <laughs> it, sequentially? it's certainly not the masterpiece uh, like the Apple is. Another canon film. Anyone want to check that out? I haven't seen that. Oh, it, it's. it's uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I've never just, heard of that film. No, it's. Uh, uh, I'll just run through the plot. Uh, uh, Alfie and Bibi, two youths from uh, Moose Jaw, Schlecker in, in Canada, whether that's a real place or not, takes part in a 1994 World Vision, that that be in the future at that point, World, uh, World Vision Song Festival. So no, Eurovision. Yeah, it kind of it, it kind of looks like a like a like a, a futuristic ABBA musical. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, uh, 
it, it's, it's not the well view film, but yeah. Oh dear, oh dear. Uh, so if you want to check that, that, that's like the level of what Canon brought out as well as uh, Chuck Norris not. films. <laughs> I don't know that you can. I mean, if you're casting Chuck Norris, I don't think you necessarily think you're making great quality anyway. But you can't have any active role in that many films and still control the quality. Yeah, you're no, farming it's... it out at that rate. Uh, at that at that rate of production, you, you're effectively farming it out and taking a, a step right back. Yeah, it's like oh well, anyone watch this? You know, it's this kind of this kind of thing, wasn't it? Um, but any old shit, I guess. So anyway, should we discuss this in a sequential fashion. We shall. Um, we're in prob- we're, We've got problems from the very first shots of this film, haven't we? The titles. Yeah, if you well, I'd say obviously prior to watching this film, I, I'd never seen it before, and obviously hearing. Yourself, Chris and Dave, tell me about how bad it is. Um, having watched this a few times now, I watched it with the um, with the commentary from Mark Rosenthal, one of the writers. Mark Rosenthal, I think, wrote on Star Trek Six. Mm, that name rings a bell. So it's not like everything he's written is shit. His oh, commentary no. on this film is it is a bit apologetic. It it, re, it listen when you listen to it, he's kind of explaining. Well, it's all not very good. Yeah, he, he goes behind the scenes though and kind of tells yeah. you why and explains the reason behind it. Yeah. Um, but he does apologise for a lot of it. But he says, doesn't like, address his own failings. But sorry, you listen to these credits with this commentary. Yeah, literally, I listen for the yeah the commentary and literally he says the same thing. Like right from the credits, he's like, it's clear that you know the budget for these credits isn't the same as what they had on the first film, and it's basically that from from the word go, essentially. But yeah, um, credits are very colourful, <laughs> nice and bright, but unbelievably static it's basically a photograph yeah. of earth <laughs> with names disappearing over them for five a vague years. animation of names it, just, it goes on forever isn't it? Yeah. I, I was surprised to see like a credit for sulking like sort of based based on a property from <laughs> sulking yeah it's like yeah. you don't see that often here owned for a bit by well they, <laughs> sub- <laughs> they sub they effectively sublet the rights i suppose but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Written in a house once owned by that person. Yeah, it, you know, you know, he's bad. Like when basically your special effects doesn't match up to a, uh, a film that was out seven years, seven eight years before, and and they and they still look amazing today. To be fair, but still, I mean, you can see holes in it. But for the technology of the time, I mean, it was it was such a leap forward. And, I mean, even even Supergirl, which is a poor film. The, the flying effects are good. The flying effects are really good for their time. They're quite mm. graceful and elegant. Uh, they're not here. <laughs> they're really bad here. Because um, we cut straight out of this very static shot of Earth, and we'll see that a few times, what looks like a photo taken, you know, 20 years before, you know, and faded <laughs> slightly. And then we cut straight to some Russian cosmonauts in space, in space singing. Singing my way in Russian. <laughs> yeah, which uh, does seem sort of in keeping with the themes of the film, in that they're singing, they're there singing a Western song. They're yeah. just like us, folks. Why all the hate? Yeah, I think here, yeah. We're, here we're kind of we're in a sort of. Obviously, now in twenty seventeen, we are post truth. Um, obviously, just dated this episode but never mind. Um, but I think. Well, people in- will be listening to it post <laughs> in two thousand and seventeen or after. <laughs> so I wouldn't worry. It's not like they're going to listen to it four years ago, is it? <laughs> it was yesterday. Um, but no, it's basically we're kind of in a post um, detente 
you know, post detente basically um, between the US um, and Russia as well. Um, but here, I made a running tally. We got a shot of Superman flying towards the screen. And I went running tally that this scene, this exact shot, is used six times. I in counted this it. Scene or in the film? No, in the entire film. There's a scene, obviously, the oh, shot right. of Superman flying towards the audience. And his, the screen. his costume looks green. It does look a bit on the green side. Um, and then there's another scene later on where you see the, the S logo um, is yellow, and then in the, it cuts to another scene and it's white. Anyway, does, so that's, yeah, the yellows go white and blues it's a bit weird. go green in is the it, bro- very poor. Is it dress white or is it gold? We don't know. Um, but anyway, yeah, that scene is used on six times throughout the course of the film and it's just like ugh. it doesn't look pretty particularly good as well because he comes directly at the camera and it's just something about that alone just feels like that that doesn't seem like a natural shot no it takes you out of the movie if it's in 3d that'll be terrifying you nearly have a similar shot in the first film but he kind of flies because he flies up from the ground yeah but that's when he's actually pointing right right at the camera yeah he's kind of over it yeah. Or under it, I forget which now. But it, it looked a lot better than this. He looks really serious, almost constipated. He's definitely serious. The colour of the suit looks wrong. It's poorly matted in. And also, it wobbles very slightly as it comes towards <laughs> us. So it's like watching kids playing with like an aeroplane or something and moving it along and it just wobbles ever so slightly. It's it's not motion control, folks. No, it's a bit, mm, a bit dodgy. Um, and then he, and yeah, then he, he saves, to, the, he saves, he saves the, uh, <laughs> the cosmonauts. And he speaks Russian. <laughs> That's the best thing about Superman. He can speak all the languages. Is you know he travels around the world in this film. We'll get to it later on. But he speaks all the languages. So yeah, yeah. he doesn't speak any Chinese, does he? No, he doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he gets, he gets but he has right a masonry vision, so that's what he does instead. So he saves uh, <laughs> Comrade Sinatra from uh, flying off into space. And then it has some comforting words for them about because it's a joke about them singing inside or outside the craft. Yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> this is this is this is off to a flyer. <laughs> it's, it's not. That, it's not actually that bad a scene apart from that shot. We've come out of credits that look terrible. Yeah, and that repeating flying shot looks awful. But the rest of the scene is kind of all right. Yeah, I will say this: uh, Christopher Reeve does at least look like he's trying. Uh, and they're charming in this scene as well because these cosmonauts would be like terrified yeah and he's just like saved them and then like nice friendly smile for them words in their language you know what i mean it's kind of pretty charming yeah well that's that's what that's what it's all about with superman isn't it it's sort of social cohesion um and then from there we go to smallville yeah uh uh the clark's selling the farm for some reason yeah, apparently the, the Kent farm is going to be sold to, um, uh, well, real estate, <laughs> um, to make way for um, urban sprawl. Yeah, well, that's where all the offers were coming from. Someone would buy it sight unseen. A developer would buy it tomorrow. Yeah, just just so he can he flatten it and to, build a mall. Yeah, he wanted to sell it to a farmer. Yeah, so basically, he's not selling up, and yeah, this is an unassigned way for a farmer. Because big business is bad, folks. Yeah, I was going to say that's this is this like part of Chris Reeves' like message to kind of like. Oh, it, it's it's absolutely. I mean, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of like irresponsible, greedy business and all the rest of it, but kind of you know, most of our jobs are you know are related to like people starting businesses and stuff. It's it's very naive. It's at its worst when we get to the. I mean, this bit's all right because you think, well, where he grew up, we'll always still need farms, and yeah, you know, I get all that. When it gets later with the newspaper, it it's naive to the point of being offensive yeah it, I, it, 
really is like a, a massive insult to anyone's intelligence. So do you think that like the stuff going on at the farm and bear in mind it literally is like one scene, like the scene in the beginning. That's all it's referencing. Do you think it ties up well to the rest of the film? Because I just thought, well, what's the point in this? <laughs> like, what? it's enough for him to find yet another get out of jail free card. <laughs> this is the last one ever, apparently. So it's kind of ever. you have to use uh, it carefully. Is it like addictive? Is it is it like a drunk? He's just hiding them in the house. <laughs> <laughs> he hides parts of it around everywhere. Basket stuff as well. But this time as well, you don't. You can tell, obviously, apart from the credits. But here as well, you can tell that the budget isn't quite once what it was. Um, I mean, you don't kind of get like it's obviously green glow, glowing effects coming from the kryptonite um, or, or krypton the nodule. But um, it's just you know green light. There's no kind of sparkly effect or. It doesn't look as pretty as it did in well, the previous films. In the first film, he goes into that barn, which has been dumped in the wrong place as well. I did see a review of this film that said, well, at least the farm looked a good recreation. And I'm thinking, well, no, because it's the right buildings dumped in the wrong place. Well, in the first one, he walk, he runs up that hill, doesn't he, to the farm where his, father, where his dad dies. We think, well, it's on the flat in the middle. It's really, it doesn't look right, but okay. But in the first film, he found that grain crystal went north and threw it and it built the Fortress of Solitude. Whether that is the same crystal that he then uses to get his power back, I think we're given to think probably it was. So what's another one doing sat in there? It, it was a spare. So there, may, there may have been a, um, a section of it that perhaps was, was told, but you know, ended up on the cutting room floor. We'll never know. Yeah, I think it might just be bollocks. It was probably it was probably a spare just in case he he missed like the he messed up the first one. It's like oh we got another one in. Okay, Carlo, this really is the last piece of puzzle. If it turns out he throws like a girl, you know, and ends up (laughs) a fortress of solitude ends up getting built underwater because he missed, he can run back and get the other one. (laughs) Like we certainly fight that one. Yes. Oh, this is so bad. The thing with this scene is, I think the only thing that bothers me, on the one hand, I quite like seeing Clark at home. I always have. Yeah. Clark in Smallville is always kind of a hybrid of, like, the Metropolis version and his real self, and I kind of quite like that. But it it seems it's to get a get-out-of-jail-free card that shouldn't be there, and you know immediately that's going to have to be used at some point. It's a really lazy Susanna York voiceover saying what it's there to do and what it is and we get another one later that basically says if you ever get sick or ill or die or need your life saved well, it's like it's cheers then you've thought of everything <laughs> you know it, you imagine him opening it up and there's like a bag of sugar just in case you drop your breakfast cereal we've <laughs> in case you've got to use cornflakes and you've like run out um <laughs> but also the, other cereal the, is available as i say it's not other cereals are available <clears throat> None of the bourbon biscuit flavour. No. Uh, yeah, as well, I just think there's a naivety to this kind of big business bad. And it's like, well, your heart's in the right place on that, but like you're treating us like imbeciles. No, it is a bit preachy, isn't it? But I do like that obviously you've got the kind of dichotomy between Kent and, and Superman as well. Obviously you kind of they have a kind of like sort of like a pitching kind of session. Um obviously Clark can't hit the bat but obviously when the real estate dude leaves he's right I'm going to you know work this into to infinity yeah. and beyond so yeah he, he like, hits it right nice in front of touch. that picture of earth from about 20 years before he does <laughs> but it's, it's a nice touch though so and I just love the first film was all like uh, well he was only in two scenes but um, Glenn Ford you know Park Kent's whole thing was you know you've got to keep this you know 
down low, basically. It's like you're here for more, don't show off at the moment, no, which no, is no. a much, much watered down, not watered down, it's a much more subtle version of, of Man of Steel's Keep Your Powers to Yourself. Yeah. I've got problems with the way it's done in Man of Steel, but it is a flavour of the same thing. And yet, apparently, he was telling all his mates, Clark's kicked his cot look. He was so funny, your dad. Yeah, yeah, he was such a joker. <laughs> a I'm thinking, joke. No, he fucking wasn't. <laughs> you can tell. You could just tell from the two scenes he was in. He was a decent man, but he probably never got a laugh in his fucking life. <laughs> serious. Uh. Oh but no, we got. You know, I, was, I think that's kind of like a, a nice touch there about kind of like between Clark can't actually hit the ball and. And Superman who can knock it out of the park. Um, but also, yeah, kind of like in terms of like urban sprawl, it's a relatively new concept in the 80s. And I mean, if, if you go to kind of rural America now, I've been to kind of like Wisconsin and, and around there as well. And it's just, it's like farmland as far as the eye can see. And I imagine kind of must be the same sort of thing. I was going to say they aren't short of room. No, that's it. It's, yeah, big country, don't you know? Um, so from there, um, we want to see like Luthor. Um, they're going to pit on <laughs> kind of like a chain gang, but they're not chained up. <laughs> With two of the um, most useless prison guards ever. They're rubbish, yeah. Well, One of them is Mac um, McDonald from um, Red Dwarf. Who played I was going to say, he was responsible for the, indirectly for the death of 9,000 crew in Red Dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you can't expect him to, like... No. <laughs> to be fair, this was, I think, Red Dwarf was, like, 89? 88, 89? 88. 88. 80, early 88. Um, and this is 87, so... All right, so he, he was yet to commit mass murder. So basically, it was Rimmer's fault, but it, it was on his watch. Well, yeah, blame blame Arnold Judas. <laughs> I, I I blame Lenny because it was his fault. If he hadn't uh, crashed that car, I would have I would have lost his job That's and got. Pink, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyone who hasn't, there will be people listening to this who probably, particularly from other countries, haven't ever seen Red Dwarf. Check it out. Yeah, it's really it's a bit of a cult um, sci-fi. It's, it's kind of like if you've heard of the well, as I say, porridge the. Um, UK sitcom, prison-based sitcom porridge. It's like that, but in space. But it's the got really cool status. Are anyway, it gets a bit more sci-fi as it goes along. It's mm. low budget to the point of being embarrassing, but the but the writing and dialogue's gold. Yeah, really, yeah. really sharp, really funny. Mm. Just avoid Back to Earth. That's all I was That's yeah, series. Yeah, series. Um, Although, don't series say that to Robert Turnbull because he worked on it. He was so pissed off when I said that. Oh. Well, no, he's actually I, I, oh, was he? He's actually, he's actually in it as well. He's an extra in one of the oh, scenes. That's oh, what I, I, well, I, was, I enjoyed it, but I just kind of think maybe script elements were a bit off. But I mean, yeah, that's for me, it's kind of really fun. But I, overall, I enjoyed it. Sorry, Robert. Anyway, but that's I, enough for that. <laughs> but Robert, your your cameo was fantastic. <laughs> you you saved it. They probably would have televised it if you hadn't walked into that store. Maybe we'll do a, a spin off Red Wolf. I don't know yet. Um, but yeah, anyway, so yeah, we kind of see Luther and the chain gang um, but yeah we meet Lenny um, John Carter aka Ducky from Pretty in Pink and also um, Two and a Half Men oh no <laughs> that's what he sounds like oh no he's basically doing the Otto the bus drive from the Simpsons he's basically going oh no we'll see it later with the kids in this they're the same oh no um, yeah this is fucking awful, isn't it? <laughs> Everything I about this. Is all... That's pretty cool. He says something about like you haven't seen a sense around system like this, and when you look at it, it's got like basically four horns on the corner of the car <laughs> that looks a bit like old gramophones. Maybe that was a sensor on for the 1980s. I don't know. <sighs> oh dear. Just no money. They've just they've gone home and like absolutely just smashed up a few fucking gramophones or something. No. So you need to bust out of jail. 
I know, and he's got the word Lenny painted on the side of his car. Yeah, big silver letters. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But it's, it's just it's incredibly dated as well because you've got things like sort of the Walkman, sort of 80s music, and like, like his hair and big like, power suit. Just his this... hair is weird. He's got a bit of <laughs> orange down the t- front. Oh, it's awful. It's very 80s, this movie. It's an old-fashioned and he, he music. tricks the guards into getting into the car. <laughs> and then they sit utterly helpless while the doors, windows, and roof close in super slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> Bear in mind, they still actually have their guns on them, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> they are like, I don't know, PC plod and deputy plod, but they're a bit rubbish, aren't they? And then the car goes off the cliff. And they emerge. We don't see an explosion, but when we look around again, there's a load of what looks like black smoke. And then we see them climbing out like Looney Tunes style. Yeah, yeah it is very Looney Tunes. Definitely. Like the, only, the only thing missing is like stars and or birds to go and birds, like, yeah, fly around, around heads. the heads. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only thing missing from it. Because like, I think I think one of them has like a steering wheel on his neck. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah. So yeah, the, the stupidest um, <laughs> like prison guards ever to just like you know watch you know it, yeah. I don't know where all the security is where you'd, like. Yeah, literally, just like, any, any, anyone could just drive up, um, and then uh, and then uh, Lenny and Lex uh, bugger off um, without any no any sort of sign of a vehicle anywhere. No, 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 no backup. No, what's it? Yet? No, nothing. No, no they managed to escape somehow. Presumably, no, Miss Tessmacher coming in a hot air balloon. No, no. no. Only that, presumably, the guards got this somehow. They didn't just walk miles from a well, prison. Yeah. Can't they just go over to their vehicle and radio it in? <laughs> No. <laughs> I've seen them climb back to where they were in the first place. I mean, for all intents and purposes, we can probably suggest that Mr. Smacker is probably still in the North Pole somewhere. We don't know how stuck in a lab. How she got back. <laughs> looking for toilet roll. <laughs> she vanished halfway through that film, so we can just imagine that she's still there. There was a deleted scene where like Superman's back in the forest of solitude. He's like, you know, be be told by the elders. It's like it's forbidden. <laughs> it's, it's just Tess like forbidden, forbidden. <laughs> Anyone find a new role? Hello? He flies back to the Fortress of Solitude, he forgets, he hears a noise in the bathroom, he shoots her. It's oh hang on, no, that's the Oscar Pistorius story. <laughs> oh dear. Do, 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 do you know do, uh, Oh I just, I, no, I was gonna say a really bad um, Oscar Pistorius joke. But, well then, uh, it's like uh, uh, he, he, apparently he wanted like uh, a new uh, bathroom door, but his girlfriend was dead against it. Oh, sorry. It's the bad ones; they're the best. That's quite offensive. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're the best ones. <laughs> Why is that offensive, then, Becca? No, I just think it's no problem. She, she's it? dead. Why she care? No, no I know. She ain't doing <laughs> shit. And, and honestly, if his biggest worry that three twats in the UK have just told a joke about him, <laughs> then I think his life's probably all right. Oh dear, no, he's, he's a bit of an idiot for shooting his girlfriend. I'm sorry, if maybe a mild understatement. Oh no. <laughs> okay, listeners, uh, Becca believes it was silly. <laughs> mild understatement. <laughs> You little tinker! Hang on, that implies uh, Becker actually believes in that. Um, you know, it was all an accident, so it's a silly mistake. Well, my no, fault. No, was no, legless. He's, <laughs> quite literally, quite literally. No, it's gone down a lot in my 
my estimation. <laughs> tends to do that, doesn't it? It's amazing. It's funny. Project Simpson hardly gets any fucking endorsements. He's got a strap on the wrist. You don't get any shots of him in prison with Gillette. <laughs> I'm just shaving from Zara. Oh dear. No, just in terms of because I used to like run from my school and everything. Obviously, I'm not paraplegic or anything like that. But it's like you know, to come from somebody who's used to run from your school. No, no, like not from murder scenes, surely. No, for my school. But like somebody who like used to be involved with athletics and everything. Have I mean, you got somebody like Oscar Pistorius, who's basically the poster boy for you know having no legs and, and being able to run um, and creating world records while she's doing it as well? But it's like, well, you don't oh, murder just... your girlfriend. I know it's exactly. It's, exactly. it's, just, it's one of yeah. life's big no-nos, isn't it? Well, generally, yeah. Frowned upon anyway. <laughs> generally, it's wrong. Children, don't do it. <laughs> Uh, okay. Anyway, if, if, okay, you, so, if you want so, that lucrative <laughs> bourbon biscuit advert, don't shoot your girlfriend. Don't shoot anybody, folks. <laughs> murder is bad. Mm, okay. Okay, you can do it and cry. Right. Okay. Well, that's the hard. Cry. Sorry, listeners. That was our hard-hitting opinion portion <laughs> of the podcast. It's a little I'll bit naughty. Don't do it. it up now. <laughs> anyway, from here onwards, um, do we go to Metropolis or do we go to Canada or do we go to the London Underground? I don't know which. Yeah, we go to Metropolis because <laughs> we find out that um, the day pilot's been taken over. No, that's we not. Do, but we find there's a, there's no, a... we see them on the tube first, don't we? Yeah, because yeah. um, she's, for some reason, um, Lois Lane is learning French, which is a bit weird. But it's, it's really bizarre. Because she's coming up. Oh, yeah, okay. A, which gets swept under the carpet. I mean, but last, it's like, normally be... she's there instantly. Yeah. <laughs> but so it's meant to be Metropolis, but like either they, uh, Mark Rosenthal thinks so they they filmed it in Canada, I'm sure where. Uh, but it does look suspiciously like the, the tube in London. It looks like the London Underground. So. It does, you can tell. By or a dated of, version like, thereof, so what I imagine it might have looked like 30 years ago. No, that's it. But I say, well, I mean, I've been to New York, and Chris has been to New York as well. I don't so recall, I, but I didn't go on the subway. No, that's, I don't recall the subway looking like that. Uh, but I say, I, I went ages ago now, but I think Chris has been recently. But me personally, I don't recall the subway looking like that. No, it's it not. Does, no, it does look like the tube. It is blatantly the London Underground, there's no, no way, way yeah. it looks. Yeah. Um, I've, been, I've been to Canada as well, but I don't recall taking... Um, I think we did like bus and things like a couple of times. But to, to be honest, were, were any of us desperate to watch Margot Kidder ride the tube? <laughs> She's walking along with a French book, talking French to anyone who will listen. Maybe. Margot Kidder is quite a shock when you see her. Hey, I, I feel really bad for her in this film. She does look really poorly i mean again she wears you know really interesting outfits um which i think is quite is interesting in terms of the contrast um to um Mara hemingway who we'll see later on well my uh, first thought she... was they've let her dress herself in the uh, margot kidder in life wears a lot of suits and ties and traditionally masculine obviously women can wear whatever they like she i'm not quite glamorous as well and in terms of especially you know what sort of is like sort of dallas and that sort of thing we've got like big power suits big shoulder pads but if you um, watch her when she's at the united nations later and comes out with one of the worst lines in a line in a film packed with them she's wearing what looks like a kind of spin on a man's suit yeah and that's how margot kidder tends to dress that's how you can't so really see her in, in the series of films itself. as well she does she she just she looks very tanned again um but not in a healthy way but, some of it is hazy she had her teeth sometimes. done as well she looks like her teeth have been done i mean she was found years later there's a sto- whole story about her mental health and she was found without teeth 
Um, uh, but it did say remove some of her dental work. So I don't know if she had to have false. They look like falsies. They, they do look a bit like false teeth now. Again, very sort of sallow in the cheeks. And I swear in a couple of scenes I can hear a slur. Her eyes look a lot duller as well. I don't want to overstate it. I, I'm not suggesting she sounds like she's, you know, she looks like she's falling all over the place. But th- this is an actress with a ser- with some something quite serious going on to the point that, once again, I think they should have written her out. Yeah, she, she could have easily just had, like, that one scene, oh, off, off the trip to Paris, okay, see you later. Yeah, she had another suit, another briefcase with one bikini in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's Paris, well, that's all right, I'll just walk around with a bikini top on and nothing else. <laughs> um, yeah, now Clark is late, as usual, so he doesn't get on the train. Nope. He's dressed like Inspector Gadget, isn't he? He does a little bit. Well, I think all the way through, because he's meant to be his kind of, well, later in the film, um, Les describes him, you know, the world's oldest Boy Scout. But he's, he's perpetually from, like, sort of 50s era, isn't he? He's kind of, every in these other Superman films that we've seen, he's always got, got like, a big trench coat on, sort of 50s hat, 50s suit. Doesn't kind of fit in with the surroundings um, when he's Clark Kent. Um, but I think that's the whole point. He does look especially like, you know, yeah. something from the 50s, the throwback era, obviously to the original um 30s, 40s, 50s era Superman. Would it would it be wise to kind of like if you're Superman trying to blend in with other people to actually dress blend in, in with other people? Yeah, to try to dress <laughs> in something that blatantly stands out for you. Know. No, I think I think that's part uh, of the charm. I don't know why, yeah, it doesn't, but that's just part yeah. of the charm. I think. Yeah. I think in a cheaper film with what looks like the London Underground, it just stands out a bit more. That's all. Yeah. Because against everybody um, else, he's obviously wearing. And like, I, I don't know. I mean. Thinking of the London Underground, the last thing I'd do is read my phrase book to other fucking customers. The English people. They're, they're, they're not that talkative on the, the Underground, no. usually. Um, the earphones in and such. But um, yeah, so she's trying to learn French, um, and there's suddenly a train crash on the subway. No, it's um, not a crash. The driver has. Oh, yeah, he's like a heart attack or something. Yeah, there's some affliction. We kind of go. Let's just forward. What it reminds me of is—is it in the Holy Grail where they say at this point the animator had a heart attack and it click it cuts to Terry yeah, Gilliam I think, I think it's and he just Grail, goes yeah. and leaps lurches forward almost in speed motion. It looks like that. <laughs> yeah, he's like and <laughs> it is a little bit like that. At this point, the animator had a heart attack. Sorry, <laughs> uh, yeah. that happens. <laughs> this is this is action, isn't it? Stepping on the line. Very classic action scene. Well, you, you missed that great special effect where he flies down the tube and no one looks at him. And then he looks where he's well, going. Well, there's two things. He gets into he gets into like this. Well, what's supposed to be a telephone box or something? Um, and I know that's the trope with Superman, but this just looks weird. Um, just a fun fact. I think it's the only time. Obviously, Superman is known for changing in phone boxes. Um, yeah. I think this is one of the only times that we see him actually in the series. Yeah. Well, the Christopher Reeve series is going to be changing the phone box. Um, he changes by his mobile now. Yeah, he does. That's it. No, I've got <laughs> he just puts his mobile on the floor and whips his kit off. Interesting fact about that later on. <laughs> but yeah, he flies down. He flies down the tunnel to get after the train. It's the same shot that we've seen earlier in the film. Exactly the same shot. <laughs> and as he flies past all the commuters, they don't even look. They don't look at where he's going. And then he lands. He's in going that fast. <laughs> Then they he lands in. He's not. He's really not. He's going quite <laughs> slowly and, and wobbling down the tunnel. And then he lands Sorry. in front of a massive poster for New York. 
because they keep forgetting, which is unfor- it would be bad enough if they were filming it in New York. But if they are filming it in Canada or on the London Underground, someone's put up a poster for this that says New York. Did no one go nuts called Metropolis? No, that's it. I mean, they have to dress it as much as they can. But obviously, when, when you've got like a big advert for like Smokey the Bear or New York or something, it's just you're going to make it obvious, aren't you? It's just it's not dressed particularly at least, well. At least it wasn't a big poster of Big Ben or something. Like, no, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, he does the really heroic uh, action thing and step on, uh, step on the rail. Foot on foot on, yeah. And then just holding out his hands. While the plane gently stops, uh, train gently stops against his hands, and then he goes in. He steps into the driver's cab for what feels like about a quarter of a second. <laughs> he it, done a full diagnostic and gone. Yeah, he's all right. Yeah, he's I want to get him a doctor though. Right, he's just he's just passed out driving, and it wasn't like he fainted because we heard the right. Uh, you're playing that down a bit, I think, Soups. <laughs> or you haven't looked properly because you don't give a shit. <laughs> He'll be fine. He, he just needs medical attention. <laughs> and Christopher Reeve looks haunted when he says to them, I want all the passengers to know. He, he just looks pissed off. No, he does give a kind of subway, you know, PSA, doesn't he? Like, look, this is still the safest form of public transportation. It, it just looks like the most half assed thing, like he's just lost all interest already. Yeah. And, it, and, and we're only at the beginning of the film. Well, we're not even. The film's not even started yet. Wonder, I, I do wonder if we're super, you know, projecting that because of what we know. Mm. But I swear, every time I see this, that there are scenes where I go, yeah, he, he's he's trying, but his art's not in it at yeah. the same time. Well, yeah. you mirror it with the, the delivery in the, um, the Russian astronaut and to, and to, to now. He was okay you know. in that scene. Yeah, now it's just like there's there's a world of difference, and I, and I wonder at what it whether it's yeah I do wonder if this was like later on on the astronaut was stuff was earlier where he was like still enthusiastic about it, when yeah. now it's just like oh fuck. Maybe, yeah they shot it maybe towards the end of the shooting schedule, and perhaps he was just like oh just be done yeah. with it as soon as we can, so or we, do, see, we don't we, know. We, we go straight to the Daily Planet now, and the Daily Planet. I mean, firstly, it's not the same newsroom, and it's a shame to have lost that. Time's moved on, so it would look a little different. But I, I think this was filmed in this country, um, and it, it looks totally different. And the other thing is, when you think about um, scenes in the corridor and all the rest of it of the first film with that big globe and everything else, and then you've got this with sort of escal, is you know, industrial estate escalator. It just doesn't. Yeah, it's not very good. And I find this bit of the film... Yeah, I find most of this film annoying, but we meet the war fields. Um, uh, yeah, it doesn't quite gel, does it? Obviously, well, they, yeah, planet's being taken over by Sam Wanamaker, <laughs> of all people. Yeah. Great US stage actor. Um, Who settled and, here um, during the McCarthy witch hunts. Yeah, well, yeah, they had to flee America, didn't they? Yeah. We could be about to get a reprise of all that. No, that's it. <laughs> but obviously... Watch out for American actors, folks. Well, they all said they going to bug off to Canada, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, as soon as Trump was elected, right, when can we move to Canada? <laughs> well, no, they said it before, then it happened, it was like, oh, I can't be asked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> 
Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave uh, this 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 country if uh, Donald Trump gets led. Donald Trump gets selected. I wasn't being serious. Actually, I, well, I think it was actually going to happen. <laughs> it's a bit like you know Phil Collins. Yeah, I remember the '92 election. Phil Collins was going to leave Britain if the if the Tories lost, and they oh. still won even with that inducement <laughs> on the table. <laughs> We were it, offered the chance to get Dave, rid of Phil Collins, Dave, and we it, still it, fucking... <laughs> it's almost as if, like, when celebrities actually give their opinion, it actually does, makes no fucking difference, does it? Because it's just a person's opinion. Yeah. This is fine. <laughs> it's fine, and, you know, if they're asked about these things, fine. I don't give a shit if they yeah. want to give opinions, but, like, I can't imagine people... Did, did, did Phil Collins think people would go, oh, I've got it in the bag for the Tories now? <laughs> Well, the Tories did win, but I don't imagine Phil, it was Phil Collins that won it. Made a difference. Yeah. Oh no, I, I loved him in Buster. Sorry, go. <laughs> uh, so, what have we got? We see this new paper that's now tabloid format, and it's something like you know, kaboom, with the world a on picture the brink. of a scantily clad lady next. <laughs> no, I think this is kind of quite interesting because you've got a kind of a, a. What I want to try and do is I'm trying to. <laughs> squeeze some good out of this film good luck um by placing some kind of like historical content yes she's been been at it with archaeology tools this morning i have so basically the the, basically the message is uh journalistic integrity that's that's the subplot they're putting into this film isn't it with the whole but they overreg it yeah like mario homeway's character she obviously starts off you know Money is the name of the game, and then by the end of it, she's grown a conscience. Is like, well, actually, no, it's all about so many people. But like, obviously, during the nineteen eighties, we had obviously big sort of media companies, um, sort of focusing on on their stock prices. Um, you know, when they kind of floated on the stock market, going public, and everything. Um, and these sort of corporate business leaders were basically, you know, they were like mandated basically that obviously they, you should make money. You know, as as Lacey Warfield says, she's basically like. You know, was it the name of the game is making money or a business to make money? Something stupid like that. Um, what an evil way of looking at business. <laughs> that's it, all for example. Well, basically, I mean, this film came out in 1987. Um, and like 1985, basically, we saw lots of the big media, you know, corporate mergers, for example. ABC was bought for 3.5 billion, and um, NBC was bought for 6.3 billion by General Electric. So basically, we experienced quite a lot of deregulation um, under Reagan as well. Um, so the broadcast, broadcast all, the, all the work I've done for this series, I know. right? And at no I point did I think about Superman Four. I best get me to my business history. <laughs> I think it's quite interesting. This is a bit no, weird. it is, but it's just you can skip, you can it's skip a past it. I'd never have thought of going at it at that angle. Becca, I think you put like, way more thought to it than these filmmakers actually ever did in this. <laughs> I was quite underprepared in the last <laughs> run we did of this, so I'm trying to be more prepared this time round. Um, yeah, basically. Well, I'm I read up it. on Oscar Pistorius. And they've got embroidery in kittens, when that suffice? Um, then they basically, obviously, visit were kind of more concerned by the competitive nature of the industry as well, kind of who can, you know, get a one up on each other rather than being the public good and providing a public service and interest. Um, but obviously. One thing about the the new office as well is obviously you see more obviously with the last Superman film, we had a lot of, in the rise of computers and sort of home technology as well. Um, in this version of the Daily Planet office, you see a lot more. Well, there's not much people on the computers, but you don't see so many people on typewriters, um, which is quite interesting as well. 
so it can, you can move in with the times. Um, but obviously, I need technology such as like cable TV, um, led to expansion and creation of other networks. Like you had CNN, um, and Fox was sort of two of the new ones created during the nineteen eighties. And you had like Fox the big three at the time, it was like CBS, ABC, and oh, NBC. Oh, I'm thinking of Fox News. Sorry. Yeah, yeah Fox News. Right. So basically, obviously Murdoch and, and Co. Um, but yes, you had the, obviously the big three: CB, uh, CBS, ABC, and NBC. And all of a sudden, they had new kids on the block and had a bit of competition on their hands. Um, new kids on the block. New kids on the block. Shocking. <laughs> and obviously, obviously, back at the beginning of the decades, obviously you had MTV, um, first ever music video. But obviously, with MTV, obviously it was just music videos, kind of twenty four seven, pretty much. Um, also, you have little breaks in between for news and adverts and things like that. Um, and obviously, you had personal computers as well. Um, and then within a decade, you'd have you know the groundwork being laid for the internet. Um, it all went from there. So basically, you kind of got print media starting on a on a decline, as it were. Um, but you've got somebody like the Warfields coming in, sensationalising all the headlines. You know, putting the pastry type on the front page, and just basically saying, "Look, it's all about money. Your journalist integrity is for shit. Let's just sex everything up." And but know. there's a point to be made there because you've got a newspaper that's being wildly irresponsible. Yeah, exactly. And we do see that. You know, you start to call certain any whatever your views calling any section of our society enemies of the people is quite dangerous so i think you know it but again it gets all dressed up in this ridiculous message (laughs) as though being in business to make any kind of money is evil and you think well i mean warfield says to him this paper hasn't seen a, a dime in profit in three years well of course it's going to get taken over that's failing that's business, you know. Who's... Maybe Perry White like stop like trying to do, send the top reporters to do like honeymoon rackets. Yeah, they've been living off that scoop for years. <laughs> <laughs> Doing lottery and things like that. Breaking news: uh, a, a, a hotel where near Niagara Falls is shit. <laughs> yeah. Join us, join us next week as we dance around the gym. <laughs> Celebrating seven, eight, seventeen years since we left school. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, stop sending the reporters to luxurious locations um, and stop doing some real news. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so the, the first, the first thing they do... come in and gone. It's not making any money. We've got to change something, and, and we're not sending you to Paris. We, we've got to look at like what we're spending. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that's evil. S- Stop! Yeah, stop! <laughs> stop all! Uh, what was that? Cancel all like uh, work-related trips. That means I'm not going to go to Paris. Oh yeah, yeah. No. You can go to Paris. It's fine, Lois. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Is Paris abroad? <laughs> well, I get, well, I get the impression thinking... that there was there's a subplot there that was just that was chopped on the hat. We didn't get to see it. I kind of feel where that kind of, you know, it's, it's really random for for one thing, and then all of a sudden. It's just kind of obviously come to an end. It's like, well, there's a whole storyline there that we could have missed out on. But don't worry, the film's about to embrace a theme. Well, <gasps> if you give Lois for thinking uh, France is like just down the road from New York, see now uh, the, the speed she, she got there last time around. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Hop across the, uh, across the ocean. Because, um, yeah, I, I think it's the majority of this film, obviously, for budget reasons. For sure. In the UK, mainly probably Milton Keynes in Buckinghamshire. We're going to get to that very soon. But clearly not in New York. Mm. Um. Well, we cut to a school. Don't we? Can we cut to the, uh, a school and it, the president is on the TV saying that Summit Talks have failed. 
Um, and we must strive to be number one in, you know, nuclear well, technology. Or yeah, well, essentially, the nuclear arms race. Well, pretty much. before that, we have basically Lacey falling instantly in love with Clark. After oh, gotcha. Her... Is that where she spread? <laughs> is she spread eagles herself across the table? No, that's that's a bit later on. But like, is that um, later on? Is but it? like, yeah, she but, does it kind of quite awkwardly. I think. But, yeah, Lo- Lo- Lois tells Clark like, "Oh no, this this is this is bad." Mm, okay, and like, well, Clark's like, "Well, I'm going to give her a piece of my mind," and it's like, uh, "Look here, Lacey." Uh, uh, you know, it's all very well to make make money and blah blah, blah but you know, uh, we we gotta keep our just integrity, and that's that's the way we're gonna do it. And she's like, "Who is that guy?" I, it's, it's instantly, <laughs> that's basically how he says it. <laughs> he, she she's like, you know, and, and he's like, "Who is he? Always like this? Yes, and I like him that way." Uh, Lo, Lois, yeah. it's, it's almost right. like like a knowing kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of like Clark, but I'm I'm off. Got it, you know, kind kind of, but without doing it. Um, it, it, it's just a bit weird how she, uh, her character goes like a full like full full turn for like you know twenty. Like, twenty being Jimmy Olsen's really crammed into this as well because when they're all sat around the table, you've got dozens of employees stood right in the background, and then you've got like our main characters sat at the table where Jimmy stood right next to them with his camera around his neck. <laughs> yeah, he's just like she's there, like sort of like taking pictures at like. Whatever, and he, he he just looks a little bit weird for a man that age. Is still wearing a bow tie. He carries it off though, I think. I don't know. He just looks a bit weird. He just lo- looks completely out of time. Um, that's for the eighties. But yeah, anyway, so we get get to like the uh, the school and uh, Jeremy and the horrific acting in this bit. Oh god! Right, <laughs> the thing is, uh, you get that speech from the president. And then she switches the TV off and she says, now, I know you're very upset about the crisis. And I'm thinking, yeah, geopolitics, that's what kids are into. She's the, like, what fucking teacher is is teaching primary kids this, like, right, okay, kids, let's all talk about our feelings. Go, let's get this out. You know, it's like, fucking hell. Teach him to to, to, plus two plus two. No, that's it. So. Yeah, I know. And it, it, they've cut the kid at the front who speaks first. Firstly, he also has the same accent as John Cryer, as does Jeremy. Because he goes, <laughs> good. But also, it looks like Anthony Michael Hall. I don't think it is, but it looks exactly like him. Oh, yeah, it does look a little bit like him. Yeah, maybe I don't um, think it is, but yeah. The only thing I've never noticed before is when we see Jeremy sat at the back, he's actually drawn a picture of Superman. I'd never noticed that before. That's just a nice touch, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it rescued the film for me. It really did, yes. That was a really high point. In it this, flew so. in and grabbed it at the last minute. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it, he, they, she suggests writing to their congressman, right? And which again, what a normal just, person would do. Well, yeah, but again, <laughs> their children. I'm a bit concerned as to what the quality of these letters is going to be. No. Yeah, but yeah, the, a, a primary school t- uh, teacher doing that, and like she must be like the most politically activated primary school teacher ever. Like, like she's bringing it up, like, yeah. <laughs> like, right. oh, okay, kids, I know you're not old enough to vote or anything, but I think it's really important that you uh, understand. <laughs> it's like, yeah. so I know you're all upset yeah. about the fact we could be all be fucking barbecued tomorrow. So just write a quick letter, and then we'll go and play in the sandpit. <laughs> <laughs> But then it comes to Jeremy, and, and I don't know, this kid has only got, I think he had two credits to his name. He did something on TV the same year, one episode, and that was it. He has got the most obnoxious fucking manner. I, I, 
Uh, do you know, I'm, I'm missing Ricky from last week now. Oh, no. Who's that first? Because he's like, I'll tell you, we might do some, do some good. <laughs> then he's got the other kid oh, going like, who? Superman. Then you got the other kid like, uh, who? Santa Claus? <laughs> no, Superman. So he writes to Superman. And again, I, I, I'm aware of this sort of concept of out of the mouth of babes, eh? But... How good was this letter he must have written? That's been amazing. I mean, and he's the only kid in the world that's thought of it, right? He's the only kid in the entire planet out of billions who's thought of writing to Superman saying, this scares me, because he gets one letter. Yeah. Which he then goes into a massive existential funk over. How many scenes of him looking all serious and staring out the window and not being ready for a night out so he can think about this letter? I mean, he, he, no. to be fair, he was probably like made to do it by his teacher anyway. It was like, all right, okay, fine. <laughs> when I was at school, there was some competition that um, uh, to write to somebody famous or somebody in the public eye. Um, I can't remember who won it or what type of letter it was for. It was a national competition. So it obviously they were looking, and we were made to do it. it we, we were made to do it as a class exercise when I was about nine. And my effort was so fucking half-assed. Who did you write to? Like, in all honesty, the gen, genuine truth is I can't remember who I wrote to. Now, that's how, how fucking half-assed it was. Because oh. it was like, oh, I'll just pick someone, you know. And it was just, you know, yeah. But there you go. So he writes to Superman while presumably Congress get a load of like really juvenile letters um, from all the other kids in the class. And the other thing is, the implication there is he says, I know who we should write to who would do some good. And they have been asked for ideas. He says Superman. And then Superman only gets a letter from him. Which means the rest of the class went, nah, that's fucking rubbish. No, that's rubbish. Let's write to somebody else. I ain't doing that. Well, also, it's a, bit, it's a bit cynical to sort of like all laugh at him when he when he, when he he said, like, he says, like, I know, do some what, 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 Santa Claus? And you thinking, hang on, in a world where fucking Superman exists, that would be, be like every child's answer as well. Like, we'll just get yeah. Superman. What are you going to do? Write to Superman? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to say? I don't like it. Scares me. Um... I think I do think they've got a little bit of a point. I know, Jim, oh, bless him, his acting isn't the best, um, but he is really obnoxious. Um, but basically, we kind of, you know, again, I was listening to the commentary and Mark Rosenthal was basically saying that obviously Superman is essentially kind of like God or Christ-like figure coming to Earth. And that's the whole kind of ideal with this, you know, sort of threat of nuclear war sort of theme that's running through the film, or trying to run through the film. Um, but it's like, literally, you know, so if you've got something like Superman, why do you have sort of threats of nuclear war and disaster and things like that happening in, in the world of, of this universe. And um, why can't... proves don't fucking even ask the question. Well, that's it, exactly. Because I'm Christopher Reeve wanted to kind of tackle kind of big um, ecologically sound like, you know, theories like that in, in this film. Um, obviously, as you said, it's been dirty, sort of being an, an activist as well. Um, but it's like, yeah, it doesn't really, it sadly comes nowhere near to it. Um, it's basically saying, you know, if, if God is benevolent and omniscient then then why does why are people dying you know why do wars happen and why can't you make kind of uh, you know well it's quite easy you can, you can sort of fly around the world and turn about time well exactly that's it you can do the <laughs> turn same, it back to it? 1400 we haven't got the fucking problem with that, no that's it you've got to start all over again so but no, I mean like, there's, kind of, there's kind of a point there but I think in terms of like editing 
as well. And you kind of, I mean, it's quite sort of in the eighties. You had, I mean, I think kind of reached the sort of peak of kind of the mid the mid eighties really. Um, and then it wouldn't be till late, I think December nineteen eighty seven, where America and Russia would sign a pact, you know, um, outlawing a certain type of of nuclear warheads. Um, but I think in terms of, you know, there is a kind of like a strand running through it. But I just think, obviously, you see the scenes of sort of Superman, um, well, Clark Kent literally staring out of a window, thinking, right, okay, he's got a big weighty kind of moral, uh, moral question. Yeah, he's talking out over slough or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably a slough, actually. Yeah, My kind of town. trading estate. <laughs> yeah, it's equidistant but... between London and Reading. <laughs> 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 Just, don't people go and watch uh, Zebra Life is, on the Road? You'll be better it, for it. It's wildly out of its time as well. Well, not wildly out of its time, but it's already too late because Gorbachev came in in 85. Yeah. The temperature was already being turned down. We were having summits and so on. And suddenly this film comes out which behaves like it's 82, not 87. No, it's a little bit kind of late in the day, isn't it? I yeah. Think. But I think just, it's, it's kind of, it, it picks up on themes that are kind of prevalent throughout the 1980s as well. I mean, we had sort of things like, I mean, here in the UK, I mean, it's probably towards like the late 70s, there were things like, um, was it Protect and Survive, like the pamphlet, and obviously the, the scary public information ads. Um, yeah, kids were told if uh, in the event of a nuclear t- 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 attack, I'm under your table. Just things that aren't, aren't going to save you at all. No, that's it. And obviously things like Rain Briggs, um, when they've been blown, which is harrowing. But that was like 19, mid-80s, I think, 85, 86. Um, and again, you know, with, with the cutting to... to you know, be um, be adapted as well. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit kind of late in the day. But I say anybody who probably lived through the eighties might might tell you there was kind of like a pervasive threat of nuclear annihilation. And I think that's kind of what the film picks up on here. It's a little bit, as I say, very late in the day. Um, but again, you did have that entry to being. I think it was December nineteen eighty seven, kind of being signed. Um, but I think in terms of like Reagan sort of coming on, it's basically obviously you had. You know, sort of threat of like mutually, you know, mutually assured destruction, and the ring sort of came along with that. Like, oh, no, screw that. You know, we're just basically going to kind of ramp up everything, and obviously, just well, I don't you got, yeah, thematically, <laughs> you got hell of a lot out of a ten-year-old writing a letter. There. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's quite impressive. I mean, it just goes show Becker's, but more thought into this film than the filmmakers ever did. <laughs> <laughs> my only thought, my only thought was, uh, apart from the things I've said, is that it's almost like they've said to Jeremy, "Pretend like you have gone through puberty." All right, I'll tell you, do some good. <laughs> it's it was like, like what ten or eleven? You know, you can't be very at old. At least Ricky was kind of cute in his way. Ricky's a nub. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, from um, from this, I think we missed a scene out because obviously there's a. Um, Again, this is a commentary. Apparently, there's a scene or many scenes that were cut as to how Luther creates Nuclear Man, um, and one of the ones is to cut a strand of Superman's hair from a, a museum. Uh, well, no, that's straight off Jeremy speaking because he says Superman, and oh, yeah. it cuts to that. And it cuts to that, yeah. But it's like, how does he? If, if his hair is meant to be that strong, how can he cut it with? You know? He took his stronger pair of tweezers that day. <laughs> it doesn't make any narrative he, sense. He lined it with kryptonite, and then he just. <laughs> No. That's what. No. That's what he must have done. Um, right. Okay then. But yeah. So he writes the letter, and obviously somehow he's got that. But back at the newspaper, they say Superman says, "Drop dead, kid." Yeah. Well, yeah. But basically, says, "Drop dead to quit," and they put "drop dead" in quote marks. Like he said that publicly somewhere, 
And I know papers are full of shit, but like that, that's really that's, unlikely. That's not going to happen. That's not no. That, no variant of that would be a headline anywhere. That'd be like something like Mother Teresa saying, "No, screw you. I'm not going to help the needy." You know, yes. for example. I know it's a... <laughs> well, it's that thing like sort of so like uh, our sources say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's basically in the space of like what a day they get letting her like, oh, okay. Well, Superman's not around, so... He hasn't like, answered it immediately. He hasn't answered it, well... <laughs> to be fair, yeah. he sent it to Clark Kent. <laughs> it's like, you know, he sent it to your newspaper. You're only taking it on trust, he knows him. He might be showing off to get women. No, I know <laughs> Superman, I'll take it to him. <laughs> I know Superman, you know, I'm kind of a big deal. Well, but, well, basically, what he's really doing is contemplating the idea, like, should I interfere, should I do this, should I, you know... Uh, yeah. So he's just having a little think about it, and in the space of a day... Newspapers yeah. heighten it, heighten it by going like Superman says, "Drop dead," yeah. which no. I I guess, and I'm, uh, this is a slight argument because Superman is contemplating it, but they do like rather than like sort of they do basically sort of make make that uh, request louder by announcing it to the world in in that kind of weird way. It's like go, go on, Superman, do something. You know, so they are backing up his argument in a kind of really. Wouldn't they way. normally go to like? Wouldn't they go to Clark Kent and say, "Can you get a quote from him? If you know him, can you get him on the record?" <laughs> so it's actually, so it's actually his, his idea. Say, "Oh yeah, he says drop dead." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or, or they misquote him, and in line with their newspaper, his reply would be, "Superman says I love titties." <laughs> Or on that pages thirty nine through fifty seven. Do, do, do you think like uh, so? His, his real quote was to let this kid down. I'd rather drop dead. Superman says, "Drop dead, kid." <laughs> there is a deleted scene where he goes to the school. Your letter really moved me, and all that kind of shit. It's um, <laughs> <laughs> right, so you were in correspondence with a young boy. <laughs> And then you turned up at his school. <laughs> where, where, where he lycra. <laughs> where he lycra. And then took him out of class as an unexplained absence, unauthorised absence, and flew him off for a little holiday. They just created our own cutscene there of what, what this film could have been. It could have been Superman bumming Jeremy. <laughs> But it wasn't, thankfully. But thankfully, it wasn't. No children. So um, yeah, having thought about it, he, he gets, he takes Jeremy comes to the Daily Planet because there's an angle in this. Mm. The angle being obnoxious, obnoxious kid writes childish letter. I just thought the title for the potential for, uh, fifth one, Superman and the, and the court and the and the, and the and the sexual assault trial. Superman <laughs> yeah. five, of course. Oh, I love it when we get to Batman Forever. Because in Batman Forever, when when Harvey Dent gets like fucking hit with the acid, Batman's just sat in the gallery <laughs> dressed as Batman. <laughs> just sat there. He's ready. <laughs> You've got everyone else wearing like suits and dresses while this silver court goes about its business, and this fucking Batman just sat there in his rubber outfit watching it. So I think from here we go on to the Fortress of Solitude again, don't we? Yeah, but where he's basically right. Okay, do I uh, no, do I interfere doesn't, or? Doesn't no. Uh, Lois goes to see him first, doesn't she? Yeah. 
Oh, fucking oh, no, hell. Oh, no, no, no. We do the fortress first and then Lois goes to see him. Lois went to see him and then he's had some thinking to do and flew up to the fortress. Is it the other way around? No, it's, yeah, it's kind of the other way around because he, kind of, okay. he, comes, he comes back from thinking. Oh, is, it, oh, the is that the scene where Superman's a dick? Where Superman's uh, yeah. like, point yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, where, where, right, where we'll he drops the him, basically. What I think it's really weird because, like, with the fortress betrayed, scene, obviously, betrayed, betrayed, yeah, betrayed. you get none of none of <laughs> none of the elders want to return. They're all busy, but for some reason, they're like, "You'll be betrayed, betrayed, betrayed." It's like, shut up! Why the hell are you repeating it? It's basically call back to the guilty, guilty. Yeah, but it was only said three <laughs> times in, in that. It was said three times in that film, but it was by three different people because three people had to give their verdict. It's not one bloke saying it three times. <laughs> Have they seen the first film? <laughs> no, they haven't. <laughs> Give you a fuck. No, obviously you haven't, you haven't got the budget for anyone. You know. I wonder if Miss Tessmark has got, still got the shits after, after <laughs> seven years. I imagine, I imagine being very cool in there, though, on the whole. <laughs> right, so he goes, he get, right, so he goes up there. He gets, he gets advice, don't do it, you twat. <laughs> right, betrayed, and then he flies back having learnt nothing. So that was a waste of time. <laughs> it's just like you know, it basically got mixed advice because one said why not, and the other one said betrayed, 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 betrayed. <laughs> right, like that. Back on actually, by the way. Don't need to watch the film now if you haven't. And um, and then he flies back, and he still doesn't know. It's like, well, why'd you go all the way up there for? Maybe that's why he drops Lois. <laughs> Do you know what? I still can't make my mind up. What I really ought to do is, like, you know, drop a drunk fucking 15 stories. Well, I had a bit of a revelation, really, because I wonder, obviously, because there's a scene, you know, where um, Superman and Lois kind of fly around the world, as it were. There's a scene where, basically, obviously, he drops her. There's a scene later on where he drops her again, and, like, she flies a little bit on her own. So, obviously, there's some superpower that we don't know uh, about. I suppose if you watch him do it often enough, some of it's going to rub off on you, isn't it? Well, that's exactly. And that's how, right, that is how um, Lacey is able to breathe in space when she's flying with nuclear oh, man later God. on. <laughs> right, OK. So, what? I've, I've seen him do it. Can't be that hard. So I can do it. Is this a new Superman power where he can just, like, give other people his powers for a short period of time? It's, yeah, yeah, it's like his wall building vision you know it's yeah. a power that we never knew he had that he had for a brief time but yeah he what she turns up because he's supposed to be ready to go to the fucking i don't know white house correspondence dinner or something and he says i want to stay home i've got some thinking to do so he spent a day at work staring out the fucking window over it he's flown all the way to wherever the fortress of solitude is agonizing over it now he's let now he's a, a, a failing to attend an official function because he's still thinking about it. What the fuck did Jeremy write in this letter? <laughs> Has Jeremy got photos of like him jerking off or something? <laughs> is he? Is it just blackmail? Has he written to him and said, "I've seen you doing Green Lantern"? I've <laughs> seen <laughs> Wonder Woman. You know, I've got your, got your number, mate. No, so uh, he know, says he needs to clear his head. Let's go out for some air. And then he walks her right off the fucking balcony. They've all got balconies, journalists, because they earn really well. Yeah. And then he drops her. For, yeah, for, <laughs> for, for a newspaper that's suffering, yeah. But yeah, basically, just like, it's like the biggest dip move. He grabs her by the arm and walks her literally off the roof of the building. Literally. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, caca, caca. she's there flying. And he's like, oh, and then he's Superman. She's like, Superman. <gasps> Superman. 
Yeah, and that's a terrible, terrible back projection shot or green screen. Oh, yeah. The, the effects in, in the sequence green screen. are... It's green screen. Really it's badly comped in, yeah. Really poor effects in this scene. Um, you can kind of you can see the wires. Um, you can probably see the fan blades, you know, from the air and all the rest of it. And it's it's really bad. I mean, in the deleted really scenes, you can see the matted boxes because they haven't even finished the effects, but they... they they fly off. You do get repeating shots of him holding her as well. It's the same shot used several times in different locations, and it's yeah. clearly trying to recapture the Donna film. Oh, definitely. I think it's the kind of the the heart and the emotion is there, but just the the poor <laughs> the effects. Well, no, the, it isn't. The I don't think it is. The accoutrements are. The music is there. Yeah. But Christopher Reeve doesn't look the same. Marco Kidder certainly doesn't look the same. No, but they're trying to recapture like Lost Glory, I suppose, aren't they? I think the the whole attitude of it as well. It's just you know, there's no. I mean, he just he just walks her off a building, and it's just like it's just like hang on, that would traumatize her because it's just like because Lois at this point no doesn't know, shouldn't remember the fact that you know he's Superman and that, that well oh. supposedly. Well, yeah, we get to that. I don't know. She doesn't. Um, no, she just, doesn't. I'm pretty sure she doesn't. You know, yeah. and and you know, you know, surprised she's like not pissed off because you know it's like, hang on, what the, what the fuck are you doing? What the hell do you think you're doing? And then and you have a little fly around without saying anything, and there's no like, there's no real reason for it. I, I still don't know what the reason for it. Well, is. he's supposed to clear his head, but again, it's just an opportunity to pad out the running time, and try and recapture that first film. Yeah, and no also, in Lois sequence, doesn't have a lot to do in this film, so it's to give Lois something to do. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, remember, oh, the, the, you know, there's a romance there once. Um, and, yeah, and midway through, he just goes like, okay, your turn, and just drops her. <laughs> you <laughs> you know, now. Four, yeah, you know, literally. The first time you did that, buddy. <laughs> literally, four laugh as well. He, he, he literally drops her while mid-fly and starts, like, laughing. <laughs> uh, I'll get her. Yeah. You think, what a fucking dick. I think he might be a fucking knob end, actually. <laughs> so he gets back and he says, you don't even remember my name, do you? And she says, Ka-Lel, like that. And I'm thinking, it's not that difficult. It's not <laughs> like you've gone, you know, Chief Mangosuto Butelezi. <laughs> you've gone Ka-Lel and you've replied it like it was, you've, re- you've said it like it's really hard. It's not like it's not like you've like written like a really famous piece on it or anything, a career-defining piece on whole of who he yeah. is <laughs> yeah you, I rem- you remember her don't you and she says I remember everything then he, then he kisses her and she forgets fucking everything and I'm it's thinking serious. he's frying her fucking brain every couple of days when he's pissed <laughs> off <laughs> whenever he needs like, his lowest fix yeah I mean how do we know he isn't fucking flying into the fortress and banging her every other fucking time <laughs> I'm sorry I just needed to clear my head dirty Superman but it, it does come across like that as well, doesn't it? Just literally, like, he does that every so often when he, like, I don't know, just need the lo- lowest fix. Yeah. Again, oh, I sorry. think there's probably a, a scene cut from the se- sequence, because he's like, oh, yeah, everything's fine. Things seem really clear now. I mean, there's no dialogue between them. Mm. And it's just, there's just, I'm sure there was a scene cut from here. But it just There's something missing. I just feel like there's something missing, too. Yeah. Um, tact. So from, yeah, tact and <laughs> romance. Um, Plot. So yeah, I mean, could, 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 if you're going to reprise the first film, can't you take his glasses off and straighten up? No, that's it. Exactly. That was the best. One of the best moments. And then throw her off a fucking something movie. simple like that. Oh dear. So Superman now goes to the UN, which is actually Milton Keynes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he writes about this in his autobiography, um, uh, Christopher Reeve. Uh, he said that you know, after if that had been Dick Donner, they would have 
um, blocked off part of the streets around the United Nations and, and all the rest of it. And he said it was just some park on an industrial estate. I think that's a hotel. And he said with some, and it, they had some fire hydrants and um, a, a dozen um, pigeons for good measure. And you can see it. It just looks like, oh, we best... So there's a fire hydrant in a really weird place because it's really like... Really oh, random location, just in the middle of the street. It's and like, they walk into the United Nations. I don't know where the interior is filmed, um, but that's supposed to be the United Nations. So Pretty slow somewhere. Yeah. And he says he wants to address them. Yeah, yeah. He addresses essentially the UN. Um, yeah. And basically it gives us a great speech about getting rid of all nuclear arms. Um putting them in a big basket and launching them into the sun, which I'm sure... He, they were you know, all delighted with it, weren't they? Like, yeah. Basically, all of the governments of the world, all the leaders of the world, would just get rid of nuclear weapons if they could. Yes. Nobody <laughs> wants them. It's just this madness we've got ourselves into. And uh, it's just so naive. I mean, it, I, I, for years, and in fact, I don't even think until I was chatting to Chris offline about this, I... What follows, I didn't get at all. I didn't get that they were cooperating with him by firing these things off. I, I just thought that's how people think nuclear weapons are used. They're just test-fired all the time. But it does it, give it, you that impression, though, doesn't it? It's Let's... not very well set up. He just happens to be there while they're doing these demonstrations. No, that's it. But I think again, the film I think is trying to say been... they're cooperating with him, but I never saw that at all. It doesn't, no, it doesn't look that way at all. I think, again, there must have been like a scene missing... Yeah, I mean, you do get the whole like they all in, agree with him, and then like they're just shooting nuclear weapons up into up in the air, and then Superman just catches them. So it's, it it is a little bit confusing because at first I just you know it, you do just think, hang on, they're just firing nuclear weapons up in the air willy nilly. Like, they do it all the time. As well, where I thought I I don't like this. I remember as a ten year old not liking the mm. scene. Firstly. Um, that but was where but I also, why would you need to shoot them up? Just like just like lay them all on the ground. They are soups. All there for you. Yeah, you you're ready. <laughs> I can't be asked. Can I just wait in space by the net? <laughs> <laughs> or, or, also, I mean, like you know, when we get to talking about like um, my politics aside, generally, is it a wise idea to rid the whole all country with nuclear weapons? I mean, it's not very realistic. But if you did that, you, well, people still know how to make them. So well, you're gonna you're gonna have like yeah, you're gonna have like you know people who don't want nuclear weapons making their own and well they've then, then you... just got to be rebuilt at a phenomenal yeah. pace yeah. in case you get outflanked that's what's going to happen in that world but again we live in Christopher Reeve's world where like they're all just delighted to be rid of them yeah it's like um, yeah, yeah that, that's such solved, a nice yeah. film that way and I remember not liking this scene I made a joke earlier well it just wasn't a joke I said that both this film and Superman 2 I turned around and told some kid to shut up it was this scene because he said he was going to rid the world from all nuclear weapons and they all cheer like fucking dummies and the kid the kids go starts cheering as well so I told him to shut up <laughs> so even then you knew like this is a stupid idea what the f yeah but the th the, I remember Lois when she's asked what's he going to say and she says something wonderful and I just remember thinking I don't like this <laughs> I do not like this at all. <laughs> so yeah, so where do we go from here? Do we do we get well, we the go, gym bit? Do we go to the montage of him getting rid of them all? Oh yeah, we would, would yeah, where, where he, spin, where he very so. dangerously spins that net around. And thank, thankfully, it doesn't break. No, it's a very big shopping net he's got there. Very good, fishing, very big fishing net. Yeah. Um, and from there we go to see 
uh, Lexan is amazingly gold leaf flat, which I think is very cool. Um, atop the Empire State, is it? I think. Yeah, he's with randomly Jim Broadbent, uh, <laughs> the guy who played Eckhart in Batman, and the guy who played Howard from Howard and Hilda in Ever Decreasing Circles, <laughs> where they all used to wear matching fucking knitwear, and they've cast him as an evil genius. <laughs> also, Eckhart is porking some Star Wars as well. Yeah, he is, and he's also he's also in Raiders. Yeah, he's a top top, top man. man. Is that dude? He's a, yeah, he's that guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's quite quite a swanky apartment Lex has got. Seeing he's just escaped from prison, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know top, yeah, he's going to lay low for a, a bit. big a big penthouse on top of the Empire State. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's got all the latest tech. He's got all the computers. I mean, then he's got like a Nintendo as well, which is pretty cool. Um, it's like, no, darling. It's, <laughs> it's got all the latest gadgets. Um, yeah. And it's basically, I think, in deleted scenes, Lex goes to the Russians and says, um, this nuclear disarmament is a capitalist plot. And he goes to the Americans and says, nuclear disarmament is a communist plot. And they all immediately go, fantastic, and start paying him to repopulate nuclear weapons. Which again, yes, it is evil, but it's exactly what would fucking happen. <laughs> it's like we're supposed to be. Oh, he's just ruining it. The world was so wanting peace, and <laughs> of course, the world's insecure and doesn't fucking trust each other. Of course, it's gonna like shit. We're defenseless now. And I'm not. I'm not pro nuclear weapons particularly at all. I don't think anyone is. It's, no, it's just, I, yeah, just a matter of like fact now. It's necessary so evil. I'm not even saying that. But, like, if you stripped away somebody's nuclear capability overnight, they would panic. In this era, I don't know, you know, I don't know in the years that followed, but certainly in the fucking 80s, they'd be, I'm not sure about this yet. Yeah. Um, you know, but anyway, so the, he's meeting with these guys because of that, but it ends up being a real pointless cameo that from these three guys as he just talks to them and they kind of just sit there and that's it. Yeah, they're, just, they're, like, they're basically, oh. like, uh, uh, basically like the three guys who he can just explain and explain away the plot to. He's like, oh, well, this is what I'm doing for the rest of the movie. Yeah, but uh, he's not because that never happens again. No. And also, I thought he destroyed all the nuclear weapons, Superman. But at the end, he's like, we found a fragile piece, which isn't what happened. Um, and it's like, well, have they got them now or what? What happened? Uh, so it's just bollocks. There is a lot of stuff cut, cut and deleted scenes, isn't there? I know like... there are deleted scenes. I'm trying to judge what's in front of us though. We yeah. we can't talk about some of the deleted scenes. I mean, there was a... Because we do see Lex doing chemistry, and it is like something out of a 1930s like Jekyll and Hyde film. They've That's got... the whole point, isn't it? It's meant to be They've like got... Frankenstein, uh, Dr. Frankenstein's kind of lair in his lab. It's I mean, all... it is a little bit kind of like sort of bubble... Bubble, bubble, bubble. But I think that's the whole point yeah, of it. It's all bubbling liquids and stuff. Yeah, that's. I think that, that's the point of it. There is. It is harking back to that kind of like forties, fifties kind of science lab style. You know, yeah. it, it does look a little bit kind of maybe not as refined as, as maybe it should do. Due to budget cuts. Got this totally worked out, right? All you got to do is put his hair, or make his hair into some goo. Put that. <laughs> what is little, that anyway? I don't quite know what that is. His hair in a little. Uh, he, 
well, it speaks with his voice later, so I, I, I know what some of that goo must be. <laughs> right? I mean, if it's got, if oh, it's only I've got, got Superman's voice. DNA, it wouldn't have Lex Luthor's voice, so he's clearly no. put some of his DNA in there as or well. Or does he have Nuclear Man's voice? And <laughs> possibly some of Lamal's, judging by the hair. <laughs> right? so, so there's a deleted scene where he jerks off Lamal. Um, oh. And then he puts a tiny strip of cloth in there because the Matrix <laughs> will make his uniform out of it. I mean, this is some this is some next level genius. Yeah, you know, it's fair. He must have done some uh, persuading because I'd have thought Lamar would be too shy shy. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so second week in a row we've mentioned Lamar. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Uh... Yeah. Uh... Oh, did I get? Wait, any more? Any more? <laughs> no, There's I, 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 I I'm just baffled by his uh, by his plan of like putting like a bit of hair strand. Uh, he mentions a computer. A uh, yeah. bit of DNA and some fabric in a lunchbox. And fire it in the sun. <laughs> fire it in the sun. Like, oh yeah, that will make nuclear man. I'm surprised he didn't put some like factor ten on it just to be sure <laughs> it'd be all right. He does come out orange. But a, anyway, bit, yeah, a, so a bit of nuclear man. A, a bit of seasoning. <laughs> a bit of seasoning just to give it a bit of flavour. Bit of salt and pepper. It comes back as a super powered ciabatta. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then, he, and then he basically does reprises the first one in that he effectively poses as military in order to get it onto a rocket. Which I never understand why he has to actually, like, sort of... Because he, he gets on a rocket, okay, but then he sort of, like, breaks into, like, the c- control room and watches it... And run. fires it off at the wrong angle entirely. Like, well, it's like, that's great. You've just <laughs> fucked that up. They're firing it anyway. If Superman is taking care of this for them, and they are complicit in this... It's not like you've got to run in and hold them at fucking gunpoint or something. They're firing it. All you're doing by firing it earlier is increasing the chance that it accidentally fucking slams into a mountain in Utah or something. <laughs> it's just like you're just increasing your risk there. It's like you literally got like a plan. Like literally we've got, we've got it on there. All we need to do is just leave we don't need to like you know that's it you've yeah. done it fuck off yeah the thing is you've pretended to be military before you're supposed to be one of the notorious criminals of the world as well so sticking on a fucking baseball bat isn't a baseball cap isn't exactly gonna fucking oh, i don't know who that is <laughs> <laughs> but anyway uh yeah so uh superman gets the missile and f- and f- and uh it into the it. Sun. yeah it into now, the sun. i think yeah this must have been a private contract because he just does it for this one. Yeah, must have been. He had a net for all the rest. This one, I'll do that one for you. The, it on it must part. have been like, oh wait, got one more. Oh, okay. Yeah. It must have, must have been like one that. more, just I'm for you. It's you all right. should have seen Superman in his like pajama tra- bottoms or something. He's like, <laughs> no cape on, just his pajama bottoms, and he's like, oh, and his hair a bit of a mess. He was asleep. <laughs> Alternate version of Superman. And this creates Nuclear Man. Yeah, it's almost on the level of uh, 2001, this. Yeah, Not it, Dolph Lundgren. It is. Well, it raises the same kind of ethical, moral, and existential questions, I find. And also, <laughs> this, this Mark Pillow looks like he's smelling a fart for the rest of the film. He <laughs> looks very angry, doesn't he? He roars a lot. It's, probably the, it's probably the script. We just have nuclear farts. <laughs> <laughs> have we talked about um, Clark in the gym yet? Yeah, yeah. From here, we do go to the aerobic scene where they're, they're basically in the gym, um, and this is you try to create a bit of romance between Clark and Lacey, aren't you? And it doesn't really ring true. Well, I think the saxophone does that by itself. <laughs> Sexy sax. Yeah. Have we had the sprawled across the table bit yet? Because I can't watch that without thinking. Yeah, no. Well, that was 
previously. Yeah. It's, yeah. Quite, it's quite awkward. She wants to romance him, so she sprawls across the table. And sexy sax plays, and it just reminds me of when David Brent was doing job interviews in the first, <laughs> first series of The Office. Yeah, this is just stupid. I mean, the, the instructor's clearly wearing a wig as well, and which I don't get that at all. You know, no, hire, so either he's bald or hire one with hair. Either way, he's fine. Um, he calls him Clarky, which is calls a bit him Clarky, and basically throws weights at him. And you think, is there a gym in the world that would do that when you're a paying customer? Health and safety? No. no. And he goes, no pain, no gain. Shut up, you are. I, I, I just love the guys doing a really, really like sort of light workout with <laughs> with the bars. They're literally going up and down, up and down. Hardly putting any effort into it whatsoever. If you yeah. ever, if you ever want to rewatch it, is there it's like? Yeah, I know, I know. This, this, they, they didn't even bother putting like proper weight on it or anything. No, he's just going up. I know you've got to do multiple down. takes sometimes, but it's like. <laughs> I think I did this in one take actually. At least look at look like it. it's just like you're you're struggling. There's some. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not doing it properly. It's like that bloke yeah. in quantum in um. Is it quantum of no? Yeah, quantum of solace. That bloke is sweeping the street, but isn't really doing. <laughs> yeah. Just moving a broom up and down. Is it from the scene where we go onto obviously? hideous fast of double dating well she's yeah she demands he goes on a four-way date yeah so you got Please. basically Clark Kent Superman Lois and Lacey obviously Superman right. and obviously Clark Kent shock horror at the same person spoiler alert <gasps> and I presume so, Lois thinks it's some kind of interview I don't, I'm not quite because I don't imagine she thinks she's dating Superman no yeah she goes she's there for the interview and but he's there oh double date you know she's kind of a more romantic angle yeah um so she, she dresses up in the pinkest suit ever. Yeah, she was, you know, kind of like quite slinky dress. Um, but yeah, and then Lois Lane is just basically pink. I mean, Lois, she's what? wearing the pinkest suit. She is, she's basically, oh, we're kind of like in the 80s. It was basically all about pastel colours, really, wasn't it? Um, and she is just, she is pink in this film. Mm. Um, but again, and I think in terms, of, in terms of the costume, you've got a nice contrast, you know, between the two characters, basically. In the sort of era as well, you had a lot of, like, sort of women in the media. I mean, this is 80s, basically people like Oprah Winfrey, kind of really powerful women in, in kind of print and broadcast media, really. Um, but I think, yeah, I probably wouldn't control I'd probably just more like her rather than, rather than Lois Lane in this film, because she does wear some oh atrocious outfits. We, we, when we got Jeremy's letter, we had, like, economic history and, like, politics, and now we've got to this scene. We've got Oprah Winfrey and women in broadcasting. This <laughs> is some deep thinking you've done on this back. I'm going deep, I'm going deep. But anyway, no, I won't go into power dress in the 1980s. This but, um, is weird shit. This <laughs> I like it. Be funny. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, right? If you were if you were Superman, wouldn't you just like, uh, just agree not to do, just like say, no, I'm not doing it. Sorry, I'm busy. I'm yeah, I, I, yeah, literally. Mm. There's a nuclear crisis. No, screw off. I'm not doing it. Watching the ball game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's, it's quite funny. It's kind of, I think the scene tries to call back to kind of like screwball comedies um, think of like Cary Grant and, and people like that but it just goes on for too long and it just oh, it drags out and this is probably one of the weakest scenes in the film for me unfortunately and the beats in it you can talk all you want about budget but I mean they decided to write it like this I mean Superman just fucking burns her food through the wall without scorching the wall I would have loved it if he just tried to carry on a normal conversation and the wall behind him is smouldering. It's like, oh, I don't know what's happening here. Right? <laughs> um, it almost looks as if he doesn't mean to do it. He sort of looks at it and accidentally no, cuts it with his eyes. He, well, yeah, that's not overly clear, but he clearly burns it because he needs to distract her to get out of there. He does, exactly. And later on, he manages to look at the inside of the door and get the outside do- bit of the door, the doorbell, to ring by <laughs> looking at it. I mean, it's Magic still vision. an ever-fucking-moving feast, isn't it? 
His secret powers that we never knew he had. It's not funny, any of this. No, but it's not. It goes like, it's it's clearly very taken away. And it's things like um, she goes down to meet Clark. Clark, she gets as she's about to get in the lift. Clark gets like you know hit by like some furniture or something, you know, some luggage. Luggage. And it's like, well, just jump in another lift. Yeah, you know what I mean. That is not a good enough excuse for why you couldn't get back up there. And then he changes in a car, and it made me laugh that he didn't see if there was anyone in that car first. And it does go on too long. It goes on way, way too long, and it is just interrupted, thankfully, by Lex who seems to know exactly where Clark is because he's on the fucking Drumbotron in Times Square opposite. It's Jumbotron, so... so it's interesting, though, because you, you kind of see what Times Square was like in the 1980s, you know, rather they, than... They all have balconies, right? <clears throat> but her balcony overlooks Times Square as well. <laughs> fucking hell, how much are they getting paid? You know, that's uh, Lacey's uh, apartment, though, isn't it? I thought, no, it's Lois's, because Lois is cooking. No, I'm pretty sure it was like Lacey's apartment. It was like, come and say, oh, it's like, it's my apartment. It's my apartment. You know, or, it's very or chic. Yeah, she, yeah. She invites him to, to her apartment. Yeah. Oh, okay, that makes a bit more sense. Yeah. Sorry, I do. I, I nearly impugned the reputation of this film then. <laughs> so, like, you know, with like Lex does the whole um, thing with the the sound, but yeah. you know, Superman can hear. Is that the same thing with Vision as well, or has he just blatantly put himself <laughs> in, on Times Square? Well, I haven't got a clue. Is that appearing on every TV, but only Superman can see it? I haven't got a clue. Doubt the yeah, it doesn't make any either. sense, bit, does it? I think it's it's, it's just an excuse to get him out of there and end a scene that clearly has no natural resolution. <laughs> no. Um, and get him to, you know, his first battle with Nuclear Man. There's burning footsteps. Yeah. Making holes everywhere. Yeah, so he goes to uh, see Lex, and Lex does his whole thing where he's just like smuggling himself and goes like ah oh, well I've got it's common knowledge you hate children and animals or something like that it's yeah. like, this is awful this is terrible it's just, oh. that, that ain't budget that's a shit script badly acting well, well he states the obvious is like well if there, if there was a, bo- a bomb here you wouldn't be anywhere near it well well no that's it clearly yes you flew here anyway <laughs> um yeah and then nuclear man as they step outside nuclear man's landing and he's flown from some distance away and I just think that's theatrics for the sake of it. When they got up that morning, he must have said to Nuclear Man, right, what you do is you fly out to there, right? I'll get Superman here for about that time. Give me about 30 seconds and then set off. And hopefully, as I'll be coming out the door, you should just land, bang on time. <laughs> They've got to have worked this out. He's making an entrance. I mean, they could have walked out, finished the conversation, and then just had an awkward silence and like been staring at their feet, waiting for him to turn up. <laughs> just look, just looks very weird, doesn't it? So, uh, how, how are you keeping? You're more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> are you keeping you busy? Yeah, yeah, yeah not too bad. <laughs> so yeah, so you've got Superman and Nuclear Man uh, fight over the world. Um, but, but first, he has fun. Yeah, just, he has fun. <coughs> Destroy Superman. Destroy Superman. <laughs> I can't do that. Wait, wait, you, no, you really can, can you? Wait, okay. <laughs> oh, there's, also, there's also the bit where, like, um, Lex goes, like, you have my voice. No, you have my voice. You have my voice. <laughs> Beck, I'm concerned for you. <laughs> um, Next time, gadget. Oh, I did. Yeah. No, I, I think that's good. I didn't. It took me a couple of views to realise that it was actually Gene Hackman doing the voice. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it makes sense. It doesn't. It's quite, it's quite <laughs> interesting twist, I think. 
and he goes, he, he should look like Superman. Superman, Christopher Reeve should be playing both characters. I think that's what happened, wasn't it? It was meant to be kind of alternate, like Bizarro, like we saw um, in, in last week's film. Yeah, but um, even then they cast Clive Mantle from Casualty. Exactly. It's, it was kind of a very tall, sort of physically imposing actor. But yeah, obviously they ended up with not Dolph Lundgren. Um, I mean, he says to him, he says, you know, recognise the genetic structure. Super, Superman should just be going, no. No, <laughs> no what are you on about? sounds like you. What have you... Did, did we... What happened? Were we intimate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, relations? No. You told me you used a condom. <laughs> I thought I couldn't feel it. Yeah, they fight across the world. Um, yeah, this is where we, we see Superman's um, masonry vision, where he can just rebuild walls by looking at them. <laughs> oh, this little stop motion animation, but we and we, and we find out he can he can speak Italian as well. Well, he, he can speak all the languages of the world. He's yeah. uh, omniglot. He, he, he can uh, save. He, he can save like a, a small corner of a town from a volcano. Yeah, we've got Sicily or wherever it is, somewhere in, in Italy. I, I remember um, hearing one of the Ricky Gervais podcasts that had Carl Pilkington on them, oh, and he was talking about he'd read this article about a tribe that say hello by waving their knob around. Right. And you've just told me Superman knows every world language. <laughs> well, he might know that. <laughs> so there well, are places he flies must... where he's got to get that fucking belt off and the it underpants must be so. off. And the pants, and there's probably pants under that. He's probably wearing two lots of underpants, right? Yeah. And then wave his knob around. I'm not surprised the filmmakers focused on it being in, like, Italy. <laughs> that's it. Well, they, they cover all they cover all ground, don't they? Pretty much. So you've got Great Wall of China, yeah. Italy, you know, some Italian speaking country. <laughs> Italy but, yeah, tends to be Italian speaking. Generally, but the, the effects again are, are sort of rather, you know, rather poor. Um, well, he, he, you know, the, he does like put the uh, top of an earthquake, an earthquake. Sorry, he does put the uh, the top of a, a volcano uh, back on, but upside down. Wouldn't that just build up pressure? <laughs> No, that's, yeah, he literally chops off the top of a mountain, plugs the volcano with it, and think, hmm, really? That's a short-term solution. Yeah, that, that may not, yeah. It's not going to hold any time soon. Yeah, when that next um, blows, fucking hell. No. But you see, it kind of, you go from there to like a static shot of um, Statue of Liberty, so they kind of got another nod to, to New York as well. Um, and they yeah, have I'm okay like that a... Metropolis doubles, New York doubles as Metropolis. Sure. But in that case, you can't have Metropolis and New York. No, make your mind up. Which one do you want? <laughs> but no, they have a epic fight. Um, is, is it here where we see um, basically Nuclear Man scratches him on the back of the neck as well? Or is that a yeah, bit he's later worried on? about Lady Liberty. Yeah. Yes. You see him look at him like, oh, if I, I can't drop this. Need a protector. Carrying massive props. Scratched on the neck. Like a big girl. That's yeah. basically a big girl fight. I love that Nuclear Man has to show him his nails first. He's like, good, <laughs> he's these are I filed them myself. Filed them myself. Painted them silver, look as well. <laughs> Shiny. <laughs> it would have been like, hey, you don't have this superpower, do you? <laughs> so as he falls down, we get, the, we get the we get the shot of the you know the cape flowing down by the torch. You know, Liberty dies or something. I don't know. Themes. It's, it's metaphorical, really, isn't it? And I think it's in the scene as well where you kind of see, um, like in one shot, Superman, Nuclear Man, and like the, the symbol, symbol like S is like yellow. And then in the very next scene, it's white, and it's like, hmm, really, you know. 
Oh, it does look really dodgy. Just, just a question, just in case, because I, I might have missed this, but does anyone else other than Lex Luthor and Superman actually address the existence of Nuclear Man? Because I would have thought that would have been a thing. Like No, I've, it's not even mentioned. It, it's like, is Superman... They're asking if Superman's dead. And it's not like we've got this horrible threat. It's yeah. just Superman. Nobody else they kind of really knows him. about him, do they? No, I mean, I suppose Lacey does at some point, but that's, that's not where you are. That's later, place. but yeah. I think, yeah, but, I think there, there, was, there was a cutscene there, wasn't there? So there was actually a... Surely someone took a photo of him at the fucking Great Wall. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I, um, I, I just think it's extremely noticeable having two super beings fighting each other. Yeah. Across the world. And the Statue yeah. of Liberty you would flying that. across the sky. Yeah. Yes. And, you and would what, notice what, that sort of thing. Yeah, but what's the narrative on that, right? The Statue of Liberty is seen flying across the city, sort of backwards, feet first, and then Superman is found, you know, or is, is you know, its cape is found right beside it. So do they think Superman was out joyriding? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. There's no like, reason he, for it, is there? He, he just he just to pick it up for laughs. Go, yeah, just <laughs> juggle with it for a bit. Yeah, give us a go. Why not? Hey, do you want to see Bricklin closer up? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's shit. And the th- next thing is that they they're not only saying is he dead, which Lois is like, you're gone too far this time. Well, they've not really. They've just found his cape. He doesn't tend to leave his stuff lying around, does he? No, she doesn't but, look too distraught either, does she? What I love is, you see his cape, and it's like, yeah, we got it cheap. And she grabs it and walks out, and it's like, let her go. You think, hey, he's just <laughs> paid weird. money for that. And he's just gone, yeah, that's all right. That's how cheap he got it. He must have got it really cheap. Why would anyone sell it cheap if you've got Superman's cape? I don't know. I'd say that's sell that for quite a lot of money. Yeah. Particularly because it's <laughs> fucking bulletproof. From Primani. Is Superman's cape bulletproof? I thought it was just like a cape. He was bulletproof. Well, yeah. Don't know. Whatever. I don't know, yeah. Actually, but... no, I, I, I don't actually know. If any, any super fans out there... Um, super tell fans. Us about properties. Well, you know, tell us about properties of Superman's cape. Fans of Super Joseph Man. <laughs> I think it was Clark Joseph Kent, but never mind. Um, but no, any super fans know about the properties of the cape, get in touch. Or don't, because I don't really care. <laughs> I, I do. I, I think it's, it's quite interesting, actually. No, right. just, I'm not... A, you know, I wouldn't say I'm, but I think it's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I'll I, just contact Becca then because I really don't give a shit. Yeah, just I, 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 I would have thought it would have been like resilient proximity to, to his body. I would, yeah, I, yeah, I would have thought it would be resilient to stuff because the fact that he can go in and out of like like fire and stuff and the Earth's orbit, it was not just evaporate off his body. So it's just wear it. Really, he should just be wearing like an asbestos suit and a fucking <laughs> fire blanket and a welder's helmet. Asbestos man. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I found that funny. So the next thing, he's got a cold. <laughs> or does he have AIDS? Mm. <laughs> no, well, if he's been having unprotected sex with X. No. <laughs> Obviously, I'm, I'm not making a joke of it, but it's another kind of one of my this deeper, are you my deeper readings into this film. <laughs> I've always taken this as cancer because he's radioactive. Well, that's it, exactly. It's kind of. It's obviously. Sort of, um, yeah, radiation like poisoning cancer as well. Um, but I think obviously you've got kind of like the age scale of the 80s as well. And I think there's a little bit of that you can read into it too. Um, but yeah, generally it's kind of cancer and radiation the kids poisoning. Love that. They know their audience, don't they? Well, that's it. This, this film, as I say, we don't know quite who its audience is really. Is it, is it kids or is it. Yeah, that's me. Hardly anyone, know. just judging by box Scattershod. 
Really scattershot. I think it took about 16, 17 million. No, 15 in America. I think it, yeah, about 15 in America. So even if you double that, it, it, it yeah, anemic. And then eventually he gets, yeah, he just gets sicker and sicker and stops turning up. Do, are there any other scenes in between? There must be. Doesn't go straight from him. Yeah, there's a scene yeah. where um, Lex Luthor kind of fires all the fires as arms dealers, and basically, you know, if you want a reference to work, go get it. Um, yeah, he's, he's got a table full of money because they've just sold a load of nuclear weapons now. Everyone pays cash. Yeah. Yeah, of course they do from their Swiss bank accounts. And you see kind of a nuclear man turning up in Milton Keynes and generally causing havoc. And then obviously Superman managed to find this last piece of Krypton, and he's like, "Oh, go on, you know." Well, yeah, they were in his pocket earlier. <laughs> yeah, on the farm. But I mean, how long did it take him to come up with that idea? Oh shit! Yeah, I did. I did have that thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I did remember that. Bugger. Yeah. Oh, right, that so, uh, uh, yeah. So just to put that in a bit of warm water and just inhale, like you know, like he could have just done that when he had the sniffles. <laughs> <laughs> Take some lemsip. Well, you reckon he drinks that in a lemsip? Do you? I, I didn't wonder maybe. what he did with it. It's just a crystal. What do you do? You shove it up your ass? What can you possibly do? What can <laughs> you do with this damn thing? Put it in your lens. <laughs> yeah. Other cold remedies are available. Um, well, yeah, but if it's anything like Superman turns, returns, he'll drop <laughs> it in some water and create a fucking continent. <laughs> <laughs> drop it in some Pepsi. I'm quite happy for listeners to speculate on that. <laughs> how, does, how does how does Superman administer the sharp penis shaped crystal? <laughs> yeah, how does he use it? That's that's like a really what is it whole? <laughs> does he swallow it? Does it go up his ass? Does he does he put it in lemsip or does he inhale it? <laughs> or do you have another idea? There's no listeners. Or does he just perhaps step? It's full of shower gel. Perhaps he perhaps he bathes in it. <laughs> or, or does he just stare at it and just sort of just disappears and gives he just it... holds it in his hands and draws it towards him and just gives it a big squeeze mm. and somehow it absorbs it into his skin or something I don't know how it, it wasn't works. so bad when he found it at the Fortress of Solitude because at least even with everything smashed you think well all his technology's up there and there might be a working console there somewhere but yeah he sat in an apartment with a sharp piece of crystal <laughs> this is just <laughs> what I needed <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, and then so Nuclear Man, he sees a picture of uh, Lacey, and he goes, mm, yeah, I like her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, he's kind of like, oh, where's the girl? And basically, as, as you kind of explained earlier in the sort of version, they haven't met. Um, apparently, there's like a seat, was it like 20, 30 or 40 minutes cut of the film. Yeah, there is. Um, the test screened horribly, which is a shock, I know. Yeah, meant to be kind of like a romance between. This would have been about. This would have been about. This would have been about 130 minutes as a as a as a cut if they like left it as the the cut that went towards to test screenings. Most of the deleted scenes are on the disc. For example, at the end of the film, Lacey buys the farm because she's a reformed character. The uh, we see the first nuclear man who basically is really bumbling, and you get lots of comedy music every time he's around, and he clearly sees um, Luther as like his daddy. It's not very good. It really isn't. Um, There's a bit more of the sort of spirit of Bizarro in that, I guess. Um, And I think it's the fact that that version got obsessed, and he was involved. What was recovered of him was used to make the second one, 
in the full cut that I think it's almost like a genetic memory. It's Assassin's Creed. <laughs> oh. It's genetic memory. So that's why he's obsessed with her. He's so you've got, super, you've got Superman now fixed going back and he's going, where's the woman? And no one thinks to go, what woman? What are you talking about? <laughs> you now met her in this version of the film. What are you on we're about? In a, we're in a city of eight million people. Who do you mean? Which one? <laughs> I'd be quite interested to watch the, uh, the original cut of the film. Well, the, as I say, the delete. I don't know if it's all of them, but the, there are a lot of deleted scenes on the disc. There must be one somewhere on YouTube. I'm sure somebody has put it all together. Cut it together. Yeah. yeah, it must be on there somewhere. It must have super cut. Yeah. Oh, probably dear. said betrayed another seven times. Betrayed, 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 betrayed. Um, there's a really stinker, clanger line of dialogue. Um, Nuclear Man turns up and he's like, um, what did he say? Oh. I, oh, I, I, I wrote it down. Where is it? If you don't tell me, I'll hurt all the people. <laughs> all the people. And, and, and just, and just think. Like, no, think of the, the people. Like, and and just think, legendary actor Gene Hackman delivered those lines. It's very, I, mean, I, I really love, I, I do love that he's back in this film. Um, and I just get a great sense that he doesn't really have much to do, but he's just basically, he is on, well, as best form as he can be. Um, but, you know, he's kind of really full of himself. He's really smarmy, he's really smug. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm the genius, even though he's a genius and he can't pronounce nuclear. Hmm? Um, nuclear. Nuclear. No. no. Nuclear's right. It's nuclear, he says, isn't it? Yeah, he, yeah, he pronounced it like Homer Simpson. Nuclear. nuclear. Oh, fuck's sake. Um, but no, anyway, I mean, he's does. He's basically lets, as as we know, kind of just fill himself evil genius. Rah, rah, rah. But you just kind of think, oh, really? You know, some of these lines that he was forced to spout as nuclear. Have you noticed? We Jeremy is completely fucking forgotten now. Yeah, he vanishes. He's like Mr. Smacker in the last film. He just vanishes off. He's in a deleted scene at the end, but I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute because I don't want to spoil the tremendous science we get next. <laughs> oh. Now they fight, and what I love about this is basically Superman tricks him into a uh, an elevator, and we get massive fanfare music for that. I mean, that's so no lame. budget, is it? So that's a big action scene. Oh no, she's not in there. It's just tricked into an elevator. That's it. Does that bang just push him? Yeah. Yeah. Also, with Nuclear Man, apparently, you know, how he works basically is fueled by the sun, and when there isn't sunlight, he just falls to the floor and curls up in a little ball. So, obviously, he's, you know, he's got to try and get him in some quite a dark he's space. Got, he's, he's clearly got no um, storage capacity. No. You'd think, you know, the no, sun doesn't. fade and he might, I don't know. He must have some, because, like, he's able to walk in the, in, the, in the building, but as soon as he gets yeah. in the lift, he's just, that's it. Yeah. Maybe because you've got artificial light in the building. Yeah, it's a bit rubbish. Haven't thought this through. So he basically sends him to the dark side of the moon. Yeah. What I love as well is everywhere they flew in the world was in daylight at the same time. Yeah, funny that time seems to match up. Yeah. Yeah, swap was at night, yeah. Uh, so. uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So they have a fight on the moon, don't they? Yeah, they have a little... That's so bad. That's so, so bad. Superman gasps as well when he finally... He does. He, ta- he takes a breath, doesn't he? Oxygen <gasps> from the air. And they're fighting really, really slowly. And it's even when he's got him virtually knocked out, all he's got to do is scratch him. We know that. And I thought that as a 10-year-old. The first time I saw this, I'm just thinking, why doesn't he just scratch him again? He's got him at his mercy. And, that, and he only gets beaten up, right? He only gets beaten up because apparently now there isn't a permanent dark side of the moon. Um, and 
so he gets out of that, and Superman's still hanging around to straighten the flag. Which would be white anyway, because of radiation. But no, he just straightens the flag. And <laughs> it's dicking around. Well, see, America has won the day, hasn't it? So. Yeah, basically, just to put in this patriotic bit, yeah. he gets his ass handed to him briefly. And he, and then, oh, he flies Stacy into space after that. Yeah. How, how does Stacy breathe in space? She does. She does. She breathes, talks. And the thing is, I thought... She survives, know, like, you know, X in the ozone layer as well. But she She's does. And I thought, well, orbit. you know, maybe the, maybe the writers would argue it's something from his protection. But he's he's out at one point because Superman pushes the moon in front of the fucking sun. And it's exactly <laughs> the right size. He's done the fucking distance maths and everything. Yep, he's done it right? with Superman. And, and once she, she just die, like, pretty much instantly, because he, he must be, like, just radiating, like, nuclear, nuclear radiation. Don't know. You would have thought. Don't know. He's obviously got to be very careful with those nails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he can't really let himself go in the bedroom, I wouldn't think. No. Um, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's so shit. And... Um, <laughs> they're chatting away in space and it's just and they keep fighting each other as well space must only be a couple of hundred yards <laughs> <laughs> they have no trouble flying up into space and finding them, each other no, and they try and squeeze that same shot of Superman flying towards you a couple of times we as get well. that several more times we do and there's the same shot of Nuclear Man kind of flying through yeah. space whenever anybody flies in this film they always do it in a straight line yeah. save on save budget yeah. um, and a couple of um, Nuclear Man's shots I saw at least twice used throughout this film it's recycled for, for no apparent yeah. reason um, yeah so See, Nuclear Man gets gets dropped into a nuclear substation and that's the end of him Yeah, which fuels the world and then at the same time um, there's a deleted scene where he flies Jeremy into space and says oh, what do you see no, he doesn't fly him up there. In this he leaves him there. Yeah, he flies him into space. Good. Yeah. Superman actually makes kid drop dead. <laughs> Superman murders child. Says, this was a, that was yeah. That was your time with Jeremy out of this world. Um, Literally. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So. He flies Jeremy around and he says, what do you see? He just says, you know, country. He says, he said, there are no borders. It's one world. And he he actually doesn't, by Jeremy's standards, he doesn't deliver that line too badly. But again, they're just having a chat in space. Mm. Um, We still get that in the film because he says that on the stand where he he gives his speech at the end and says, we found a fragile piece. What did we? Is that what, what, what happened in this film? Was there a war (laughs) amidst? Um, there's, there's no kind of. Um, there's no continuity with any of the rest of the film. There's in that no emotional stage. payoff for. But he says, "I wish you could see really. it." He's, I wish you could see it like I do, because it is just one world, mm. and that is that line is there. I don't know if it was a reshoot, but that line was effectively what Jeremy had said to him in space. Yeah. And I think is that it? Where do we go from there? And that's pretty much it, isn't it? He can't, yeah, he gives a speech. Um, I think it's quite interesting because, like, uh, you know, kind of quotes in, in the commentary is basically, was it harks back to like or any from Theodore still, um, but also Eisenhower's speech about sort of people wanting peace and the leaders obviously have no choice but to give it to them. Um, hence, the sort of fragile peace. Um, then he ends up in some kind of kids, uh, uh, boys, um, real home, which is a bit weird. Um, then yeah, John Cryer's twenty-two the, uh, at this point. 
Yeah, he's, he's not like a teenager. And he's, he's being taken to like a boys' reform school. Catholic. <laughs> Catholic reform school. No dangers there, I'm sure. <laughs> so, it's just really so, weird. So, so, so he'll be out by the time he's 30. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And by a Catholic priest. <laughs> and he doesn't seem that bored about it. He's like, oh, gnarly. Yeah, cool. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what is this? Oh, this is, you have something. I forget what he says. You're like, he doesn't say this, but it's like, oh, have you got Nintendo? You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, something right. like that, but yeah. It's... yeah. And the thing is, I'm not sure if this is the case, and someone will tell me it probably isn't. But when the car's picked up, when him and Lex are driving down the street, I think that might be a flip shot. Oh, I yeah, it probably is. With them driving on the other side of the road, and they probably painted his name backwards on the car or something, because it still says Lelly. It just doesn't, <laughs> it's something, or it's on something in the back of the car. But it, do, it doesn't look right. It looks British. That looks like a British road. But yeah, it I does. think it's an it's, it's, it's English motorway, isn't it? And obviously, I think they must have Most flipped it. British model, I think. Yeah. Well, I don't think they'll have managed to arrange it on that budget for everyone to drive on the other side of the road for the day. No. So I would think they've probably flipped the shot. They flipped that shot to make it look like the way around. Yeah. So. Budget cuts, people. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Alex ends up back in the uh, back in the chain gang, and he's basically and then, see you uh, in twenty. And the, yeah, he says see you in twenty. He doesn't. How, how does he? 19. How does he know he's going to do twenty years? That's nineteen. Get it right. Nineteen exactly. We do see him in just under twenty years. Yeah. 19 years later till we get this series back again yeah. uh, and and it kind of is this series I think Superman series Returns belongs at the end of this series as opposed to the start of a new one yeah but um, that's interesting history and then, and then the last thing he does is he takes nine years off bulks himself up grows some real hair and then flies into space and winks at the camera <laughs> <laughs> well it's, it's the same shot that we've seen at the end of all the films just used again yeah know. but it stands out here because it's just like exactly. hang on a minute he doesn't look like that anymore. He looks a bit... He's not green. He's not green, oh. no. And that was shot by Jeffrey Unsworth, so it's got a nice little glow to it and stuff. No, it looks better. <laughs> but last, and that's the end of Superman 4. Oh. Yeah, that's longer than the film. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah, we've done a bit longer than the film this time. So. That's this is the uh, This is the second attempt at this podcast, and yeah, it's... First attempt was like shorter than the film, and this is longer than the film. It's only just shorter than the film, but it would have only been just shy. But basically, we put the funny bits in the trailer. The trailer sounds like it's an all right show. The end result was okay. I mean, if we put it out, it wouldn't have been. We weren't happy with it, so it we wasn't we'd, embarrassing. We'd do it again. I, I said the next morning, "Did we like it?" Becca um, at the time said, "No, I'm not sure that's any good." And Chris said, "Let's do it again." And it was actually Chris who was like, "No, come on, let's do it again." So, because um, your fault, I, I, no, not really. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> to put it out, but it would have meant we've done three decent shows in this series and one that we're not that happy with. And actually, for the sake of it, we'll just do it again. Yeah. And we don't. Whenever we do redo, or change, or have another go at something, or we do do a show that ain't that good, we do tend to follow it with something a bit better. Just yeah. something about doing a bad one makes you sort of up your game a bit. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I think it's just like you know, recharge the batteries. I think. Yeah. Because they yeah. So, uh, but there we are. So that's Superman Four: Quest for Peace, or. Quest for a decent movie. I really movie. don't think there's any great need for the final thoughts there, because what have we not expressed about this <laughs> film? <laughs> um. Yeah. I think we should go straight to the factage, if I'm honest. Well, you know. I do I, have some fun facts, you know. I mean, do I, you? 
I didn't spot any I... fruit, so well, that's my fruit, 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 fruity corner. Yeah, no uh, fruity corner this time. You mentioned the apple earlier, though. You couldn't help but sort of oh, like, yeah, true. sneak some in. True. That was just for the fans, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's fruit, folks. That's fruit, folks. That's one of your five a day. Or was it ten a day, they say we should have now? Fuck that for a load of old bollocks. <laughs> ten fruit a day? Ten a day? <laughs> if, if, yeah. if a grape counts as one, I've got a shot. Like, what's the reasoning for it? I mean, like, you know, might as well just uh, say, like, eat nothing but fruit. Well, I, think, yeah. I, think, I think they say if you, if you want to live longer, if you want a longer life, then you should have ten At that level, a day. it is um, shown to significantly extend life. Yeah. Yeah, but that's part mm-hmm. of, part and parcel of a healthy diet. It's basically not eating like burgers and pizzas all the time and chips. The official guidance is still five a day. It's just there's been some studies that suggest ten a day is particularly where yeah, real benefits life. kick in. Yeah, I but I guess I think that the that those uh, ten a day goes into actual meals rather than like oh just make sure you have five a day, which is like the general rule. Squeeze them into a shake and do it that way. <laughs> I'm more in line with that film, Bill. Have you had your two a week? <laughs> oh. oh, so clever. Well, yeah. Bill is a good film. That's hilarious. Okay, so we've done Bill. We've done uh, business news from the 80s. Uh, we've done... Politics. Uh, Oscar, Oscar Politics. jokes. <laughs> the decline of mobile phones and um, rise of... <clears throat> Of, of, of broadcast media. I think you might have that wrong. But I'm sure one thing you've got right oh. are facts. Fun facts. <laughs> um, yeah, so fun fact number one. Um, stunt coordinator on this film was Alf Joint, um, who we all know on Expected Talk from Goldfinger. He's played Mexican thug Capungo in the movie. Uh, fun fact number two. This is the only this is only one of the four Christopher Reeve Superman films not to feature Shane Rimmer. Oh. <laughs> um, I don't know why it's the film is poorer for it. Yeah, a distinct um, lack of ribbing in this film. Like a Scott Tracy, I just what were you thinking? Um fun fact number three, um Richard Donner, Dick Lester and Wes Craven were all approached to direct this film, obviously they all turned it down. Um fun fact number four. But they're all kicking is, themselves, aren't they? They are, they are, that's it. Wes Imagine, you know, Wes Craven, how that could have been so different, could have been so much better. Wes Craven was 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 mentioned, I know, but you know, if it had been cut, the budget it's still he might have had a higher standard on what script he was willing to accept. I think he would have done definitely for sure. So um fun fact number four, Nuclear Man is a version of Atom Man, um character first appeared on Superman radio show. And number five fun fact number five, as you mentioned earlier, this is Mark Poe's first and last feature film role. <laughs> Unfortunately. We don't know what happened to him. Up and Atom. Up and Atom <laughs> <laughs> up and Adam up and Adam we have to do a Simpsons podcast as well that'd be funny mm-hmm. so I just really? think this this film gave us is has been directed by the same guy who did the the Ipcus Files yeah what's up with that yeah, it's... yeah. not a lot of people know that all day now I'm a nosy neighbour now and he also did the uh, the Iron Eagle films as well which oh, really? is which is basically not Top Gun Films. No, he's still working. I mean, he, he has had a long career. When you start looking back, there's not much of note for a long time in terms of stuff you might have seen or whatever. But I mean, he hasn't had a terrible career by any means. But yeah, it's a step down. I mean, you you can't put his filmography in general next to say Donner's. You can't. Donner's no. had a much better career. 
But uh, yeah, you also did the uh, the, uh, the Entity, I think it is, which is a quite a decent horror film. Oh yeah, that's uh, uh, um, Barbara Hershey. Yeah. Uh, around the time you were born, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, she's kind of. It's kind of psychosexual horror. Yeah, based on a true story, funnily enough, as well. Well, yeah, I know what you yeah. mean. Yeah. Depending on what you believe, I don't. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't think anything's been confirmed. But yeah, it's uh, it's quite a. Uh, it's, it's quite an effective one. It's quite aggressive, attacking horror film about a ghost. But yeah, that. But it's just a bit weird to go from that to this. <laughs> it's a bit of a yeah. drop in quality, isn't it? I think. Well, yeah. And the only the other thing that you think about it is we talk about a seventeen million budget, but I think Christopher Reeve took home about four. Hackman wouldn't have been cheap. And you start thinking, well, how much was agreed on salaries, and were they able to cut away any of that? Hmm. Or are we talking about what will have ended up as as a sub TV effects budget? Yeah, I think we know the answer to that because they have no money. Yeah. Clearly, you get to the titles that she's like, oh shit, what we got left? Uh... Yeah, it, it. I mean, it's a seventeen million dollar film, but it's a seventeen million dollar film with a fifteen million dollar film cast. Yeah, she's got Do everyone you know coming I mean? back as well. Unless you think, oh, yeah. why why get everyone back then if you're not going to use them? You know, I mean, I mean, what's like um, Jackie Cooper uh, doing? He basically, just he's in what two scenes? Yeah, I mean, or three oh, yeah, scenes. We did, we did, we did forget to mention that he gets the paper back at the end because he's convinced the banks that it should be a resource. We, I've convinced the bank that losing money is useful. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, it was Batman Begins, where it's like, well, I've I've bought most of the share shareholders now, so uh, you're, you're, or, or, it's almost just like oh, you... bastards copying Batman Begins eighteen years early. <laughs> How dare they? I'm surprised they didn't say, didn't you get the memo? I'm su- I'm, yeah, I'm I'm surprised fucking Nolan didn't sue. <laughs> <laughs> they should let him have the afternoon off school and said I was going to do that in eighteen years. Can <laughs> you get that memo? <laughs> so, where can we be found on social media? You can find me at the Pasty Kid nineteen seventy six on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Cinematrox on Twitter, and you can find uh, this podcast on my website, cinematroxco.uk. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can. We are at Expect Us a Talk. Um, we're on Facebook.com slash Expect Us a Talk, and we're also on the wonderful world of YouTube. So go into YouTube and just type in Expect Us a Talk in the search bar. And you can also find this podcast on Stitcher and iTunes. Just go into the search bar and type in Do You Expect Us to Talk? Um, and if you want to, you can leave us a glowing five star review which helps us to attract more listeners and rank higher in the searches. Do please give us a five-star review, even if you don't like us, just just don't have to listen. Just do five stars, it's, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. We'll, we'll love you forever. <laughs> also, I'd just like to, um, at the end of the show, just give a shout-out to um, two people who have been engaging with us quite a lot over Superman 4, Ken Mioza and Julian O'Hare. So hi to you guys, and thanks for all your input on our Facebook and, and Twitter pages uh, with your love and memories of Superman 4. Um, we hope we've done it justice for you this evening. Yeah, because we fucked it up last week. <laughs> we did a little bit. It was it was very quick, and it's over before we knew it. Yeah, so, that happens time... to me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> hope this time we've gone into more detail. It was late. Right? I was tired. <laughs> not conducive. Not conducive at all. <laughs> yeah, this this tonight I just knocked a quick podcast out in the bathroom first, so I'd last, <laughs> so, so I'd last longer. Sat, sat on the toilet all this time. <laughs> that sounded echoey. <laughs> Oh dear. What's next, Becca? Do you expect to talk or return with Superman Returns? Returns, returns. 
hey, you know, if they, I wanted a sequel called Superman Returns Returns, and then I was hoping he would team up with Batman after the Dark Knight, and it would be the Dark Knight Returns and the Return of Superman Returns Returns. <laughs> Pithy. <laughs> That's quick. Superman Returns again. Returns Returns. Good night, folks. Good night. <laughs>